My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello. I am James Rodens, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 130, episode 130, and it's the WWE Survivor Series 1997. Yes, we go back 20 years to watch what is the most controversial happening in WWE history, the Montreal Screwjob. Dan, you looking forward to today's show? Uh, I am indeed, yes. It's quite a controversial like pay-per-view in WWE history. I think for only one match... In particular, but yes. you know, it's it's still there's other matches on the card which are quite exciting as well. We're going to watch all the show and then we'll talk about what happened in the aftermath. But as we start every show nowadays, the alternate intro. So here we go. This is 29 Acacia Road, and this is Eric, the schoolboy who leads an exciting. For when Eric eats a banana, an amazing transformation occurs. Eric is Banana Man. Ever alert. For the call to action. So yeah, alternate intro we do one uh, every week and I hope you look forward to next week's one. So anyway, the last time we were in 1997 was last month for Halloween Havoc in the WCW. We jump over to the WF for one of the most controversial pay-per-views of all time, Survivor Series. But before we get there... Well, definitely the biggest storyline running through WCW in 1997 was Sting's pursuit of the NWO. Scheduled to face Hollywood Hogan at Starcade in December... Sting appeared many times through the year. Most of the segments involving Sting were either false flag propaganda from the NWO, claiming Sting had joined them, or simply the real deal himself looking on from the rafters. On August 25th, Monday Night Show, the Carolina Coliseum in Columbia, South Carolina. Ratings have been generally high for Nitro Night Show Night Night 7, but this particular episode would prove to be one of the highest weekly ratings in WSW history. On the show, Sting confronted the NWO and Eric Bischoff, who claimed he wouldn't book Hogan versus Sting. Scaring the hell out of the boss, Sting unfolded a Hogan t-shirt and stuffed it down Eric's throat. Perhaps due to this happening early in the broadcast, wrestling fans continued to keep tuning in. Overall, the show posted a 5 rating. Yes, to have a 5.0 rating low in the Monday Night Wars was, was, it was huge. And like I said, Nitro were dominating things, and that was just one of those episodes that proved how uh, like controlling they basically were. The WCW's next pay-per-view was World War Three. It was the third World War Three. The event took place on November the 23rd, 1997, from the Palace of Auburn Hills in Auburn Hills, Michigan. And there were nine matches that were contested at the event. The main event was the traditional World War Three Battle Royal in which the winner would receive a future title shot at the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, it was three rings as well, so you had 20 men in three rings. Uh, Scott Hall won by last eliminated the Giant. The WCW World Heavyweight Champion Hollywood Hogan was also a participant in the match, who joined the match for himself to prevent anybody from getting the title shot. 
Well, another important match on this card was Kurt Henning versus Ric Flair in a no disqualification match for the WWE Championship. Of course, we saw one of those matches at Halloween Havoc, and this is obviously the rematch. Henning won the match to retain the title. If Ultimo Dragon had won his match against Yugi Nagata, he'd have gotten five minutes alone in the ring with Sonny Ono. Raven performed three even flow DDTs on Scotty Riggs during the match, then ordered the referee to count the unconscious Riggs out. After the match, Riggs was carried out in a ring by members of the flock, marking his entry into the group. Steve McMichael was originally scheduled to face Goldberg for McMichael's Super Brawl 10 ring. <coughs> At Halloween Havoc, Queen Deborah had given the ring to Goldberg prior to the match, McMichael attacked Goldberg with a lead pipe and took possession of the ring. McMichael then made a challenge to anyone else to face him and Deborah dragged Alex Wright to the ring against his will to participate in the match. So we go through the card quickly. So the first match was the Faces of Fear, Meng and the Barbarian. They defeated Glacier and Ernest Miller. Um, the second match was Perry Saturn defeating Disco Inferno and that was for the... WCW World Television Championship. So, so Disco lost to Jacqueline in a Halloween, and then he lost to Perry Saturn. Uh, next match was a rematch from Halloween Havoc. Yuji Nagata with Sonny Ono defeating Ultimo Dragon. The next match was for the WCW Tag Team Championships, and the champions, Scott and Rick Steiner, they defeated the Blue Bloods, Lord Stephen Regal and Squire David Taylor. Next match, Raven Rules match. Raven defeated Scotty Riggs. Uh, Steve McMichael defeated Alex Wright, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah, the rematch for the Cruiserweight title, Eddie Guerrero defeated Rey Mysterio Jr. In a no-disqualification match, WCW United States Heavyweight Championship, Kerr Hennig defeated Ric Flair. And then the main event, Scott Hall by Lightning Giant in a 60-man World War Three match. But, I mean, we talk about, we're going to look, as we do in every Monday Night Wars of WWE versus WCW uh, thing that we've watched this year we have like the rating what we think of the the matches the promos the the roster but i mean we look at that roster there we see the undercard you think well we've got Guerrero, mysterio raven stein is quite good and then we read the competitors of who was in the 60 battle royal match i mean it's quite good we're doing chris adams brad armstrong buff bagwell the barbarian chris benwell bobby blaze booker t Cyclop, Damien, El Dandy, and Barry Darso. Disco Inferno, Jim Duggan, Fit Finley, Hector Garza, and Glacier. Uh, Johnny Grunge, Juventud Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Hennig. Prince Iakea, Chris Jericho, Liz Mark Jr., Lex Luger, Dean Malenko, Steve McMichael. Meng, Ernest Miller, Rey Mysterio Jr., Hugh Morris, and Mortius. Yeah, Mortis, uh, Eugene Nagata, John Nord, Diamond Dallas Page, the Parker, Lord Stephen Regal. The Renegade, hey. Rocco Rock, Randy Savage, Silver King, Norman Smiley. Louis, Sp- uh, Louis Spicoli, Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, C.V. Ray, Super Callo. Squire David Taylor, Ray Trailer, Ultimo Dragon, Greg Valentine, Villano 4 and Villano 5. And Kendall Wyndham, Ralph, Alex Wright and Hollywood Hogan. So it's quite incredible when you think the kind of roster they had. Uh, and like I said, WCW was basically running the show. But now let's jump ship to the WWF. It was the 11th annual Survivor Series event and took place on November the 9th, 1997. The Mole Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And the tagline was Gang Rules, which refers to the various wrestling stables that feuded with each other coming to this event. Oh, seven matches were going to be on the card for tonight. And we've got Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Owen Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. We've got Kane versus Mankind. 
And also four, four on four elimination tag team matches. The main event was the WWF World Heavyweight Championship in which Bret Hart will defend his title against Shawn Michaels. Well, interesting enough, it would be the last of the three WWF World Heavyweight Championship matches between the two who had previously headlined the 1995 series and WrestleMania 12 together. So let's have a look at the promo. the wrong guy won. This is bullshit. Everybody screwed me. I don't like him. I don't trust him. And I don't believe him. You know, a lot of people don't agree with my lifestyle, but it is mine. It's a phony little shit. Just because I come out here and choose to live my life openly and freely does not make you a better man. I don't respect you. to the World Wrestling Federation. I do this because I like it. You do it because in your mind, Martin Man, you really think all of this is yours. This here is what it's all about. You are a zero. My hero, you're a disgrace to professional wrestling. The heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, is the icon that can still go. You're nothing but a degenerate. Who is the show stopper? Me, the lowest form of scum. Who is the main event? Me. Let's settle the score right here, right My now. Super kick is going to be one foot down yours. I'm going to kick your little scrawny ass. And we talked about WrestleMania 12, and we've got WrestleMania 12 right here. What side do you take? We've got to do an argument for and against, so what side are you on? Probably Brett's. Brett, yeah, all right. You do Brett, and I'll do the WF ways of thinking. We'll do that at the end of the show. Now, I'll tell the difference between the WWF kind of promotional for a pay-per-view and the WCW. At Halloween Havoc, we had like a nonsensical opening. I think with this video, it kind of explains perfectly what it's all about, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, most definitely. And anybody doesn't know what it's about, tonight, the main event, it will be Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart for the WF title. But we have to go back years to actually explain the story. We're getting to all the detail about the screw job. But what's interesting about Bret and Shawn is the kind of came around about the same time, maybe Bret was a couple of years before him, you know. Started off in tag team wrestling in the Hart Foundation and the Rockers. Went through to be Intercontinental Champion and eventually WF Champions. And Bret always liked Shawn back in the early days. Like we said, they used to have matches together. But as Michaels became more of a threat, to Bret Hart, and this is what the story's all about, going back to WrestleMania 12, when Sean beat Bret Hart, and he was scheduled to lose, well, the rematch was scheduled at WrestleMania 13, didn't have it in the rematch here tonight, you know, but uh, storyline-wise, how did we get here, Dan? Well, the storyline feud 
between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels began after Michaels became the number one contender to the WWF World Heavyweight Championship by defeating The Undertaker in the first ever Hell in a Cell match at Bad Blood in Your House. On the following night's episode of Raw is War, Michaels alongside his friend Hunter Hearst Helmsley were blurting out insults to Vince McMahon by the announce table. Hart alongside members of the Hart Foundation appeared, with Hart calling Michaels nothing more than a generate before challenging Triple H to a match later that night. Hart lost to Helmsley by countout after Michaels hit him with a sweet chin music while he was blocking an attack by Helmsley's bodyguard, China. So there we go. And that's how it sets it up in the main event. But there's a lot seen throughout 1997 WF's kind of direction in Team Canada and the Heart Foundation, haven't we? Versus the kind of American WF, where in, in America, the Heart Foundation were the bad guys, whereas in Canada, it was the other way around. The good guys were booed. Uh, there's going to be a lot to uh, kind of look at. We'll be taking note, like I say, of the match quality. The roster itself, the promos and everything like this. But we're going to start off and we see our first team coming out. We're going to have a 4 and 4 Survivor Series match. We have got the Headbangers and the New Blackjacks. So that is, uh, New Blackjacks is Blackjack Wyndham. And do you recognise the other fellow with him? Blackjack Bradshaw? <laughs> yes, it is. A young Bradshaw. And that, uh, the Headbangers, of course, are Mosh and Frasher. So we're going to see them teaming up. And uh, a lot's been going on in the WF. We've seen them headbangers feuding with the New Age Outlaws. And they'll be going against the team of... Oh, my God, I can hear the music now. The Godwins. Phineas, yeah, Phineas and Henry O. Godwin. And <laughs> the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, just break, making their way into the WF at the time. They've, of course, they've been uh, in the roster, you know, we've seen in the New House events, Road Jarrett. Of course, Billy Gunn with Rockabilly. But now he's... Uh, Badass. Oh, look, that hat's got no top to it. So, yeah, we've got JR and the King on commentary as well. And uh, we're going to try and see if the pay-per-view's any good as well because, obviously, the main event takes all the focus away. But it'd be interesting to see and compare it to WCW last month because Halloween Havoc missed, wasn't it, really? Yeah, Spanish commentators, of course. Uh, well, Tito Santana and Carlos Cabrera. Raymond Rougeau on French commentary. We've got a Canadian announcer introducing them all. Uh, French announcer, I should say, because, of course, we are in Montreal. But Chad Patton's going to get us underway, and it's uh, Black Jack Wyndham in there. Uh, Phineas, of course, dude, would later become Midian. Like Bradshaw, he's gone from that to an acolyte to John Bradshaw. Like- WWE champion. Started off like this. It's incredible. Freak 20 years ago, what everybody was doing. New Age Outlaws. Of course, just trying to, like, say make a way in the WF. A lot of young talent we're going to see here tonight. Road Dog clearing the face of uh, Midian. Big right hand by Wyndham. He's picking him up. Going to slam him down. What do you think of the setting? What do you think of uh, the the ring area and the kind of way it's set up? Does it look fancy in WCW? No, it looks quite cheap. It's only a basic entrance, isn't there? Really? There's yeah. nothing else to on show. As Bradshaw hits a good power slam on Phineas. Can't get him down. They kick out. Uh. Now Bradshaw going to beat him up in the corner. He is a blackjack man. You can tell with his lovely moustache he's got now as well. Well, this made up half of the uh, WF tag team <coughs> tag team division in 1997. This did. Well, you know, you've got four of the probably the greater tags. Yeah, I mean, Godwin's been successful for a couple of years in WF tag team champions. Same with the Headbangers. Of course, New Age Outlaws what they've become. Blackjack's yeah. not as much, really, but this is the evolution of every wrestler here, especially New Age Outlaws. But the funny thing is, only one of these guys goes on to become heavyweight champion. Yeah. 
I don't know, it's weird, I don't know. You would think Billy Gunn, the potential that he had. Most definitely, yeah. You know, he's definitely got that look, hasn't he, in this in this one. And Bradshaw, like I say, it's surprising that he made it. Because at the moment, if you look at him, you're going, yeah, he's a big guy. But I don't know, full, you know, full-time potential. That's Henry trying to send Bradshaw into the t- turnbuckle. Bradshaw reverses it and puts Henry's, Henry's head head first into the turnbuckle. Side rush and leg sweep, takes a big man down. Goes for the cover. You're not going to get him down like that. Uh, no, too, too Henry quickly. managing to kick out. Ah. Of course, four and four, so it's every team member's got to be eliminated in this one. Is there a traditional Survivor Series match as well? This is that. This is the... This is the for some reason, <clears throat> it, during the 90s, uh, WF changed the Survivor Series from five men to four. And then eventually, you know, they brought traditional Survivor Series, but I don't know why they stopped it. There was a point during the early noughties, I think, where we didn't have any Survivor Series matches actually on the card, you know. So uh, there was no, like, kind of traditional matches. They did bring it back eventually. And I think it... Do you like the Survivor Series concept? I do, yeah. I think it's, you know, it's it's good. Because you've got, you know, the Royal Rumble with the Royal Rumble match. You've got WrestleMania, which is kind of like the, the main event, the granddaddy of them all. SummerSlam, which... You know, it's I, I don't really see much point to that, so to speak. But then, you know, you go on to Survivor Series, and you know, the ultimate goal is to survive. And yeah. having a traditional Survivor Series match is a perfect way to do that. Well, yeah, and let's not forget, you know, this is the 30th year of Survivor Series now. You know, it started in 1987. We were thinking about watching the 1987 Survivor Series, <laughs> but it has a lot of hard work, so I'd rather wait 10 years. Uh, but <laughs> when it comes yeah. to Survivor Series 97, you know, this is what we're going to look at, this kind of changing into the attitude of it. Vincent Mann has given that speech uh, at Bad Blood and said, we're going to go a different way now. So we're going to see a lot more attitude from the wrestlers. And, of course, we've got a lot of talent, you know, later on tonight. Of course, we're going to see people like The Rock and Austin, Bret Hart Michaels. And it's just trying to get through it. And I think it proves at the moment, we'll definitely think the undercard on WWE is a little bit more entertaining, even though it's only the first match. It's a lot slower, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Both teams have got two really big guys. And then, you know, they've both got two smaller guys, you know, which in the headbangers... And the New Age Outlaws, I think, you know, these are the ones that are going to pick up the speed a bit more, especially with the yeah. headbangers. They was quite out there when they was coming down. And, you know, they're an entertaining tag team. Yeah, I mean, this was interesting. It's something different, isn't it? You know, and that's what the headbangers were. But we have seen two eliminations already. Henry Godwin has just been eliminated, eliminated thanks to a dominable stretch pin. And Phineas go for clothesline. Mosh, Mosh. And now Mosh working the arm of Phineas. And Phineas got that big redneck tattooed onto his shoulder. Now, Yeah, and the second elimination, down. Yes, and the second was Barry Windham of the Headbangers, and he was eliminated by Phineas Godwin with a pinfall after a clothesline. Emery Godwin got eliminated by Bradshaw. And now Billy Gunn's in, and this big horse got so much potential working down on Mosh. Billy Gunn and the, the New Age Outlaws weren't associated, like I said, with DX, but they've had a couple of uh, interactions... But he's taking his T-shirt off. He means business. Of course, former tag team champion himself, part of the Smoking Guns, one of the most underrated tag teams in history. Yes, with Bart Gunn. Yeah. We all know what happened to Bart Gunn. If you watch <laughs> Most Ridiculous, you'll see what happened. <laughs> most definitely, yeah. But Billy at the moment, oh no. Gets taken out by Thrasher. Mosh. Mosh. And now Mosh just choking Billy Gunn. Doesn't care about the referee's count. Well, he does because he broke it before the fight. Yeah, that's actually a fair point to me, yeah. 
Irish rip attempt. Mosh looking for a bulldog. Oh. Billy Gunn face planting. Mosh into the canvas. One, two, three. Oh. And that is elimination number three. And only Frasher and Bradshaw left on the good team. <laughs> I'd say the good on the team. Bangers and back, Blackjacks team. Yeah, the Hill t- uh, face team. And look at Road Dog and Billy Gunn celebrating. Look how much they like each other. That's what tag team should be about. Well done for eliminating yeah. him. And now Phineas Goodwin is in with Frasher. There's Phineas. It is Phineas. And look at the crowd now. Finally get behind Phineas. Collar and now a tie up. And now Frasher. He's sweating through his dungle. He is. That is disgusting. He might be added, though. Don't forget, he is a proper redneck. You know, you'd, you'd turn up the stereotypes. I, I reckon he's not wearing any underwear, would you reckon? Oh, I don't even want to <laughs> visualise it. Well, I'm just saying, he, he told you, so I'm guessing they said, oh, look, yeah. you know, put some dungarees on, mate, just go out there. Out of Mosh and Frasher, who did you like more? Uh... We didn't ask that very important question. Yeah, I suppose. I didn't like the Mosh storyline they did where they said he used to beat up his wife. <laughs> they did. Oh. No, Frasher just biting the uh, hand of Phineas. No, referee's not going to count that. It's not an ankle. It's not Ken Shamrock doing it. That's the only way at the moment a tap out would happen. Well, Phineas fighting out. Uh-oh. And as I say that, Frasher managing to reverse it. Oh, rolls him up one, two. Oh. oh. With Phineas managing to kick out. Oh. Frasher saying you were that close for being out of him. And he... To be fair, he needs to start taking the team out. There's only two of them left. He does, yes. They've got a disadvantage at the moment. It is three on two. Exactly. Bradshaw, the young rookie, the most one of the most ex- inexperienced in there. And a slowing things down now with a side headlock running the ropes. Oh, but a big shoulder blast takes down the bigger Phineas. Hiplock takedown attempt, but no, reversed by... And that was a mule kick there by Phineas. There's not been wrestling at a fast pace. That's how white... Phineas, it looks like he's wearing white gloves. But you can see, like, there's a few empty seats dotted about. I don't know whether that's people coming in or, you know, they've just gone to get snacks because it's kind of a slow moment in the pay-per-view. Yeah, they're going to have to get snacks. That was full a minute ago. And then they've realised nothing's going to happen in this match. Well, Frasher going to the top. Going to take up Phineas. Stage dive. One, two. Oh, my word. What an elimination. What a move. But Frasher gets caught from behind by Road Dog. Well, he desperately needs to get a tag to Bradshaw. I'm sure Frasher's feeling a bit tired now. He's thrashed out. There we go. Bradshaw in straight away, stepping over the top. The kick to the midsection from Bradshaw and just a big chop like clothesline <laughs> taking down Road Dog. Three of them in a row. And Road Dog goes in one corner. He's been knocked stupid by Bradshaw. Oh, big boot knocks his bandana off his head. Well, this is turning into a proper tag team match now, but it is one normal tag team. New Age Outlaws versus Bradshaw Frasher. Oh, and that was a big clothesline there. You don't want to get the clothesline from hell. Exactly, like a lariat. Now he picks him up. Gut wrench, powerbomb. Now, if he was going against Jack Swagger, that would have been enough for a pin. Bradshaw just beating the back of Billy Gunn. They think that Roll worked out. Roll up from Road Dog. One, two. Oh, but Bradshaw managing to kick out. Oh, oh my God. And another big close on there from Bradshaw. And now Frasher's in taking him some of Road Dog well, as well. Bradshaw's been eliminated. That, oh. was, a, that was an elimination. Yeah, Road Dog got the schoolboy. Road him out. Looked like he got shoulder up. But he didn't. Now Frasher by himself. It's two on one. What can he do to get out of this situation? Frasher saying, look what you did to me. Remember, you busted me open. The boombox. <laughs> yeah, and Road Dog desperately trying to get a tag to his partner, Billy Gunn. Well, Frasher looks fresh at the moment. Frasher looks fresher. He's going to Irish rip Road Dog. Oh. oh. Billy Gunn with the interference. 
slowing Thrasher in his tracks. He certainly is a degenerate. He is, and he's posing now on the apron. His Vodog's going to look to put Thrasher away. As I say, that Thrasher manages to reverse Irish whip. But now Roadog, pump handle. Ooh, pumps him up. No, a reversal to arm drag takedown. Can you give... And now Roadog's got him up. Pump handle, oh, Thrasher reverse. Thrasher. Oh, Hits him with the Famaster from behind after a blind tag. Two, three. Beautiful leg drop from the top right by Billy Gunn there. Showing his athletic ability in the Outlaws. Two. A stronger than one. Thrasher gets eliminated and they win the first. Four on four. Eliminations. Five series. Tag team match. So what do you think of the match, Dan? It wasn't really memorable. I think there was a few farts pins that I missed as well. Yeah, you know, it wasn't wasn't anything great, really. No, but thankfully we move on after that to see what's next. But there's quite a lot of people there. I think about 20,000 as we await our next... Well, is it teams? And oh my God, Dan. If you've never seen these guys before, this is the Truth Commission. The truth shall set you free. Well, we've got the Interrogator, the Jackal, Recon, and Sniper. And they're going against DOA, or the Disciples of Apocalypse. And that is 8-Ball, Chains, Crush, and Skull. Well, let's, let's sort this out first, because obviously people... Might not know. Always on. Truth Commission. So the interrogator first. I'll, I'll tell you a bit about him. Uh, he is, of course, Kurgan. There's a big man, as we see in the Red Beret. Kurgan, who would go on. Part of the oddities in 1998. Didn't really make it alongside there. But he's he's gone on to su- star in such roles as 300, Sherlock Holmes, Pacific Rim, and Hercules. Dan, tell me about... Tell me about the Jackal. I think the Jackal's the leader of the Truth Commission. Well, Donald Don Callis, he's been known as the General, the Jackal, the Natural, or Sidewinder Singh. He's part of the Singh Brothers. (laughs) He was, yes, the lesser-known Singh Brothers. Not the Autumn one. But he was uh, a member and eventually the leader of the group of wrestlers known as the Truth Commission, a take on the South... African, South African Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It's <laughs> not a bad South African. Uh, an article in WWF magazine claimed that he was lower-level WWF employee during the early 90s and that he developed a Masonic complex when he led a group of WWF superstars out of Kuwait when they were stranded during the Gulf War in an effort to play out the Jackal's gimmick as charismatic, power-hungry, fanatic commentator. Uh, oh, commentator Jim Ross referred to him as a David Koresh of the WWF. Well, interesting. They go on to be a successful, slightly successful Cyrus in ECW as a kind of leader of the TNN movement. But let me do a bit of recon on recon. <laughs> See what I did there? Like that. It's Bull Buchanan, everybody. Bull Buchanan on the podcast here. Known as Recon Bull Buchanan and B, B Squared. Oh, B Squared. He was with... Uh... He was with John Cena. He was teamed yes. up with, he teamed up with <laughs> Big Boss Man. He was all over the place. Former World Tag Team Champion, All-Asia Champion, GH, GHC Tag Team Champion, and USWA World Tag Team Champion. And Sniper, the last member of the Truth Commission. Yes. Well, he is. he has been known as Luke Poirier, and he's better known under the name as Rambo. He's known as Rocky Montana. Uh, he's also known as the Masked Marvel. He, ref- he returned to the Canadian 
independent circuit in Germany until his retirement in 99, so he retired a couple of years. So anyway, that is the truth from Mission the Sniper. Sorry, Sniper, you got the wrong end of the stick. But we've seen the Sniper of the Apocalypse come out here on their motorbikes, and of course... They are the biker gang. And then they have to ride it down the ringside and then ride it back up to park. But before we get onto the match, the Disciples of Apocalypse. Right, so we've got 8-Ball, Chains, Crush and Skull. And this would be quite easy because 8-Ball is part of the uh, the Harris brothers. Uh, Skull Skull and 8-Ball, of course, were the, deci- were the Harris brothers. Known lots, you know, they've been in lots of places with WCW, were in TNA, and the Blues Brothers, they were the Blues Brothers, uh, the Bruise Brothers, the Disciples of Apocalypse, Disciples of Destruction, the Grim Twins, the Harris Brothers, the Harris Boys, the Harris Twins, the Harris Guys, I'm just making them up now. Uh, lots of stuff <laughs> they did. So tell me about its leader then, Crush. Well, Crash, uh, Brian Adams, uh, and not that Brian Adams, <laughs> he's not the famous singer, um, well, he's gone on to, well, he started in New Japan Pro Wrestling in 86 to 87, Big Northwest Wrestling, returned to New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, and then he came into the WWF in the early 90s, uh, he was the third Tag team member of uh, champ. He was the third member of the champions demolition. Yeah, big uh, Hawaiian, wasn't he? He was the big Hawaiian. Yeah, yeah. The Kona Crush, as it were. Um, two-handed skull, two-handed skull vice finisher called the Cranium Crunch. Yeah, he obviously had a good match with him at WrestleMania Nine against Doink, of, Doink the Clown, where the Doink and his twin came out. Yes, you know, and uh, unfortunately he passed. August 13th, 2007, aged 43. Yeah, but I mean, he. De- why did you mention the WrestleMania 9 match with Doink when you could have mentioned the WrestleMania 10 match with Macho Man? <laughs> that's the greatest. Well, I know, I know you <laughs> like that time, but yeah, Crush was evil, Crush, and then eventually started a, well, he's a member of the Nation of Domination, and they kicked him out, Fruit kicked him out, and he started his own gang. Absolutely. Well, anyway, let's get on to Chains, the last member that we haven't mentioned, known as Brian Lee, actually cousins with Ron and Don Harris. Um, and weirdly enough, he was a fake taker. Do you remember at SummerSlam 1994, it was the Undertaker versus a fake Undertaker? That Under was Faker. That, the Underfaker, yeah, that was Brian Lee. And then he was part of the, um, like we say, part of the DOA. He stayed until summer 1998, even though he had nothing to do, which is fair play to him. But anyway, let's get on to it. Let's see the Truth Commission versus the DOA. And here they come, running down to the ring. Oh, and it's a big eight-man brawl starting this thing off. All, all the men are in the ring. Is someone going to clear the ring and get an advantage and pose off? Well, I say it's good that none of the DOA look like each other. You've got two long-haired bearded ones. You've got two baldy bit ones. We're going to be struggling to keep up with the names. So there's either Chains in there. I think it's... I think, I'm going to say that's Chains in there starting off. Starting off with uh, Kurgan. Or if you would, this could be so difficult. The Interrogator. The Interrogator. And he's got him up. He's got Chains up. Oh, look at the power of this big man. Not selling anything. Briefly selling some punches to the face. Well, Chains backing him up. And these are eight big men. And luckily oh, you don't man. get you don't really get this in the WWE nowadays. See, this it could be worse. Everybody moaning about WWE product. Kurgan now. Oh Well funnily enough, none of these men go go on to <laughs> be heavyweight champion. No, well, that's so, a shock. Out of sixteen wrestlers, we've seen one future heavyweight champion. 
Yeah. Blocked, but he picks up chains. Oh, big sidewalk slam from the interrogator. Goes for the cover. Two, three. <laughs> <laughs> chains did not last as long as I thought he was going to. He certainly didn't know. And you've got Eight Ball and Sko in there, both taking out the interrogator. Well, it's the three at the moment, isn't it? The, the jackal is there with his cool leather jacket. He looks like a Bret the Hitman Hart wannabe. I was going to say Shawn Michaels wannabe. A Shawn, a, a, Shawn, uh, a Bret Michaels. Oh, and Shawn that, Hart. Yeah, and now Recon in there with one, well, either eight bowl of skull. I think they got written on their vest, but I'm not going to get close Isn't enough the to read it. Or no, is the Jackal the leader? Jackal's leader. Oh, right. That's Recon slash Bull Buchanan in there with eight ball slash. <laughs> i got to say that is eight ball. Recon slams him down. Oh, the Jackal wants in on the match. Jackal's going up top. Oh, my God. This man can fly off the top. Oh. Oh. So, as we were saying, there are seven big men (laughs) and the Jackal. And the Jackal. But 8-Ball is right back on his feet. I don't think the Jackal expected to be in this situation. Situation. He's in the wrong part of town. Now he's chopping. 8-Ball, big punches to the Jackal's head, picks him up. Spins him round. Sidewalk slam. One, One two, two, three. three. <laughs> so for those keeping count, it is two victories after two sidewalk slams. Yeah. And don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there's another two sidewalk slam pinfall victories to come. Well, there we go. Let's not forget about this big man in there right now with eight ball. This is Sniper. Ah, this is the guy we've got not a lot of information on. He went undercover and he's in there with eight ball. Oh, oh, flying crossbody. One, two. Ah, but kick out. Oh. Yeah, now he's going to tag in. There comes Recon. Recon Buchanan. <laughs> Big man to the top. Oh. oh, but a shot to the midsection sends him down to the mat. There we go. Here comes the leader. Here comes Crush. Oh, big spinning back elbow there from Crush. Taking down the sniper. Oh, huge slam down. Make sure his position for the leg drop. Fly by a second. No, he wants Recon to get up. Gonna slam him down, maybe. Oh, arm drag takedown, blocked. Belly oh. to Bailey. His shoulder's up, his shoulder's up, ref. There's some dodgy count at the moment. Oh, good, the Jackal's joined ringside. And he is on commentary with JR and the King. And this is what it says gang rules for, because, you know, look at these two gangs going at it. We've got the DOA on the toughest, roughest type. And oh, that was nearly good by Bobby Cannon. Oh, and a spinning heel kick there to Skull. Skull. Uh, Skull or eight ball in there. That's I interesting. In. But I'll tell you what's interesting about it, though. That like Bobby Cannon, someone like this, would still be employed with the WWE a couple of years later to make an opportunity come up. Whereas nowadays... Oh, oh, oh do you see that? A little shifty, 20 changey. Well, but then nowadays, a wrestler wouldn't be able to last two years without doing anything, would they? You know, yeah. probably, apart from Alicia Fox, else, you know, you get a couple of years, you'd probably be gone. Oh, but shit. yep, hang on a minute, you're One, right. Two, three. Bit of twin magic there by eight ball on Skull. <clears throat> Managing to get the pin on Recon, he's gone, so now we're only left with two men in there. The sniper and the interrogator. My God, and we're going to have a fight about who's got the worst name in a minute. Oh, and he's spinning net breaker there, getting the job done. So now we've got, what, eight ball in here? Was it Skull? Oh, there we go. Tags him in. Eight ball's back in. See some great tag team in here. Oh. oh. A big slam by the big guys. Oh, oh, but referee's distracted by the interrogator. 
He was interrogating the referee as to why he was. Uh, he was interrogating the wrestler as to why he was climbing in the ring. I know. I can't believe he didn't. Say something. Sniper needs to get a tag <laughs> to this big Kurgan. Oh, reverses him. Oh, running bulldog. Could this be it? Two, three. Yes. Sniper gets rid of Skull. So now it's just eight ball and crush left. Against the interrogator and Sniper. Sniper's in trouble. He's going to get hurt in the turnbuckle. Oh. Oh, he gets thrown into it, fired out of a big clothesline. And you can hear the scream of the interrogator as eight ball looks to put away Sniper. But Crush was doing his hair. But he's coming anyway. Referee's allowed that. <laughs> oh. Well, we talk about dodgy officiating. I, I think we would see it in the main event, you know. So, well, yeah, I think they're just leading up. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, they let things go. Yeah. Well, the crush is now crushing the sniper's head with his legs. Oh my word, this is bad. What could be done here? Well, anyway, crush, putting him into the corner. Here comes April. April saying, that's what I just did to your man, Sniper. That's what I'm going to do to you, interrogator. And Jackal happy, not happy about it. Oh, there you go. I think Blind inter- tag. Yeah. Interrogator tags himself <clears throat> in. April hasn't seen it. DDT to Sniper. He has now. Uh-oh, not again. Sight that deadly sidewalk <laughs> slam <laughs> by the interrogator. Two, two three. three. Well, now it's two on one, but Crush... Doesn't seem to care, this big man. Yeah, well, Crush's got to fight for his life here. Well, Interrogator's been on a roll, hasn't he? I mean, he's eliminated two so far. And we have seen three sidewalk slam eliminations. <laughs> yeah. But here comes Sniper. Well, Sniper, you need to take your shot now. Oh! That's out. Two, three. Lovely move there. Get Sniper away, but can he see the Interrogator? Oh, no! He's going to feel him. And almost immediately after eliminating Sniper, two, three, the deadly sidewalk slam hits Crush, and he is out. And the winners are the Truth Commission. I can't believe what we've just seen here. This big man's got untapped potential. I think the future's bright for the Truth Commission, Dan. Is that the baldy man in the pink shirt? I just seen the back of his head. <laughs> yeah, he's probably in there. Well, the Jackal's in there celebrating like he won the match single-handedly. And I'll tell you something, if he brought the, the interrogator to WWF, then that's a good bit of business. But Dan, there they are. What do you think of the match? Awful. Or how four men can get pinned after a fucking sidewalk slam. It's barely a setup move. Oh, that's one, though. Um, the only good thing about this match is how strong the interrogator or Kerrigan looked. And I, I hope we haven't got another four and four Survivor Series elimination match. Well, I believe things are just about to pick up because we're going to have Team Canada versus the US of A. And who is in Team Canada, Dan? Well, Team Canada, you have the British Bulldog. Crackhead. Doug Furness. Jim Neidhart. Crackhead. And Phil LaFon. And the Team USA is Goldust, Mark Mero, Steve Blackman, and Vader with Sable. We're backstage with Kevin Kelly, America Online. And we saw the WSW online last month. But now Steve Austin's here. And what's Steve Austin saying to the guy, Dan? What? Jesus Christ, man. God damn it. I'm not going to beat the Canadian's ass. God damn, kid. You know, they're sponsored by AOL. My mum... Believe it or not, still has an AOL email address. You're joking. (laughs) You're joking. She's like, well, I I wouldn't be able to remember a new one. Oh, my. 
That state-of-the-art laptop, that is back in the day. They got a phone next to it because that's how they connect to the yeah, internet. Yeah, USA sucks. Banner. In what do you think of Jim Ross's waistcoat? It's bright. Well, of course, last Monday they took advantage of us, didn't they, Team Canada? Of us. They took advantage of it. They came out here. But Steve Blackman came to save the day. The lethal weapon, Steve Blackman. An invader saved Blackman. Steve Blackman's not a part of this. Not part of this company. Just jumped in. Just a fan. It's like that guy, Halloween Havoc, jumped over the cage. <laughs> just a guy. There we go. We're backstage, Team USA. Look how <laughs> look how happy Blackman looks to be there. I don't want to be racist, but how similar to Mark Merrow and Steve Blackman look? Yeah, Vader's working the crowd there, isn't he? The one thing we don't like, trash-talking Canadians talking about Americans. You're in Montreal, mate. You ain't going to get cheered anyway. Interesting thing about Goldust. Uh, of course, he lost at Ground Zero to Brian Pillman, the services of his... I say services of his wife, probably not allowed nowadays, but he did lose Dana for 30 days. Of course, during that time, Brian Pillman died. So then they decided to change the storyline and have uh, Marlena wanting to leave Goldust. And you can see with the face paint, he's got F.U. on there. And what do you think the F.U. means, Dan? Um, is it a shout-out to John Cena? No, it's not. It means Forever Unchained. Now that he is uh, single, and it looks like he's taking it well. Kurt Angle! <laughs> no! You suck! It's generic USA thing, right? You suck! It's not Kurt. Kurt Angle. It's not Kurt. It's just a generic theme for the American Kurt team. Angle. Team USA, Dan. That's who's coming out. There you we go. You suck, you suck. Well, Gold is coming out. Well, he's not in a good place at the moment, you know? Oh, here comes Sable. Alongside Mark Mero. Looks ready for action. And Big Van Vader. It's, t- it's time. It's Vader time. I'm coming out here with a new guy, Steve Blackman. See what he can do. He said he's not afraid, though. He's been all sorts of fighting. Will the WWF be any different? I hate to say, but yes, it will. See how we go in this one, though. But going against a star-studded Team Canada team. Listen to this ovation. Oh, here we go. We've got Team Canada with Michael Cole backstage. Wow, that is the most greatest. <laughs> what is your fucking problem with a British Bulldog, eh? I'm sick of it. Every time a Bulldog... He's a legend in our sport. He didn't touch any children. Yeah, he might have smoked a little bit of crack, but fucking hell. And we see Doug Furness and Phil Lafon getting interviewed. We all remember this great tag team. Yeah, Doug Furness, not even Canadian. Listen to this. Bret Hart's coming out. <laughs> the British and Canadian Bulldog. So, Dan, we see the British Bulldog and Jim Neinhart. We know a lot about these two guys. Tell me a little bit about which one do you want, Doug Furness or Phil Lafon? I'll press Doug Furness. Oh, I, I will touch Phil Lafon. Well, Doug Furness, he was from United States. Yeah, yeah, he's defected to uh, to Team Canada at the moment. He's dead. <laughs> All right, bring Died us down. Age 52, so that's three members of Team Canada that are dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's harsh. Joey's not even come out here yet. <laughs> he he was a professional wrestler and powerlifter from the United States. He was APF national and world powerlifting champion who set multiple world records in a 275-pound weight class. As a wrestler, he worked for a lot of uh, a lot of promotions, WCW, ECW, and WWF. Being well, he's best known for being part of the tag team, the Can AM Express, with tag team partner Phil Lafon. Yeah, and exactly, Phil Lafon is 56. He's still alive, thank God. <laughs> and he teamed, he's teamed with Doug Furness. They were a long-time mainstay in All Japan Pro Wrestling. And then we moved to ECW in late 1996. 
And then, of course, in between, the what ECW talent exchange, you know, WWF sent them talent. Doug Furness and Phil LaFong were part of that. And, of course, they didn't have long careers in the WWF. This is probably one of the most high-profile matches. Incidentally, Dan, I'm going to fact you now, Survivor Series 96, Furness and LaFong were on opposing team, Doug and Owen Hart, and they actually uh, eliminated them. So it's weird to think a year later they would be on the same side. But two good tag teams, and of course, this made together Team USA. And who's going to start off here for Team USA? It's going to be Mark Mero with the British Bulldog. Well, that was the American flag Mark Mero had in his hand. Bulldog threw it right at him. And the former Golden Gloves champion Mark Mero there with the jabs. But that's not going to help him here. And I think the Bulldog does gets a thunderous cheer from the crowd. And Bulldog mocking Steve Blackman there. Well, he's kind of cooling him out. Yeah. Mark Mero knows he's going to be anti-crowd. Where's he going with Sable? Well, Sable moves Sable away from his own team. Maybe she didn't want him to get too close. No. Oh, Goldust is now single. And Vader, he's a handsome man. <laughs> he is a Vader. Talk about Vader. He is handsome. He's on the second rope. Down on the Bulldog. <coughs> that bad blood. Last pay-per-view is Vader and the Patriot versus Bret Hart and the Bulldog in a flag match. A match Bret Hart and the Bulldog won. But Vader's been very anti-Hart Foundation, but not been that biggest star to kind of make a real impact if you know what I mean he, we saw a rumble 97 at the start of the year beat the Undertaker didn't really work that kind of hill so they try to make him like this but I do like Vader I thought he had a lot of uh I say untapped potential but I think they could have done a lot more you know the kind of monster move around the ring oh, but <laughs> British Bulldogs just slammed Vader as he was climbing up to the second rope oh a vertical suplex there by the strong member of team Canada well, uh, Bulldog's showing what he can do. And now tags in Philip Lafon. He's going to work with the kicks and the strikes in the corner. Easy reversal by Vader. Oh, Splashes him in the corner. Tags in marvellous Mark Mero. Irish whip attempt for, for Lafon. Oh, and a running knee strike there. And he goes to take out the remaining members of Team Canada. Mark Mero might be on slight hill side. He's looking like a good team member at the moment. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> taken out by Lafon, and then he gets taken out by the other three members of Team Canada. <laughs> a bit of payback there for them. Clothesline. Oh, but Mero managing to kick out. Ah, uh, and Sable's got a rose in hand, maybe given to him by one of the crowd. There's Sting in the crowd, the bottom left-hand Holy corner. Shit. Jim Ninehart working on Mero. Jim the Anvil crackhead. He is the Anvil there, just raping his face across the top rope. Raking, not raping. And the fun in. And Mero catching him from behind the first time. We're oh, gonna... now Blackman, it's the first time he's legally in a match. A big kick there to Lafon. Oh, karate kicks. Oh, Uh-oh. a lovely drop kick there, sending him back into the corner. You've got to remember, <laughs> Steve Blackman's got a third degree black belt, Dan. And he's using all of that experience there, hitting a big elbow drop. That's what you learn when Two. you get oh. a <laughs> third degree black belt. How to really hit the elbow drops. Go for the Irishman and Lafon. Lafon himself is uh, classically trained if you were. Spike DDT from Lafon. But Blackman managing to kick out. Back to his feet, dodges the kick. Takes him down with a double hand strike to the chest. Super kick there to Furness. Takes out Neidhart and the Bulldog. (laughs) He really is a lethal weapon. (laughs) He is, and now Lafon coming in. Oh, eliminates him from the Royal Rumble. Blackman going straight after him. I think he's forgetting... He's it's, in a match. Yeah, exactly. It's not a fight. And now the heart fan, the heart fan, Team Callender's got Blackman at ringside. 
And everybody's yeah. counting. Mark Merrow's come out here and Vader's out here to help. That was a quick 10. And Jim Corderas counts out Mark, uh, counts out Steve Blackman. And was that them using their experience over the young man? I think it was. I'm not going to ask you such a simple question. It was a case of Black, Blackman caught the outside. No, I don't think it was. No, I know. Some Canadian fans telling Blackman he's number one. And now it's four on three. Mark Merrow has been good in this match so far. Going to work down on Jim the Anvil, crackhead, Neinhart. So we've seen 24 wrestlers, and can you believe it? Only one of them goes on to become a heavyweight champion. That is mental when you think about it. The kind of state of the roster, none of them would go on. And oh, Mero rolling up Neinhart. Neinhart managing to kick out. Uh. And takes out Mero with a big clothesline. But I've always said I wanted the Bulldog should become WF champion. You know, he had that little look. I don't know why they, ever, they didn't go through him. That was awful. Jim the Anvil Neinhart really missing a splash off the second. But Mero tags in Vader. It's the Anvil versus Vader. These two big men. The Neidhart takes out Vader. A couple of big shoulder blocks. It reminds me of a young Mojo Rawley. No, I used to like Jim the Anvil Nine, huh? No, you don't. <laughs> no, he's going to try. He's going to try Irish with Vader. But oh my word! Vader just bounces out of the corner, drops a big elbow <laughs> on Neidhart. Well, that was in no man's land. And now Vader again, running splash. One, two, three. Oh, takes Jim the Anvil Nineheart out. That's a bit of a surprise. Now uh, Philip Lafon's in. And the size difference here, they've got to work well. Take Vader down. Oh, super kick rocked him. Oh, certainly rocking Vader, but... Oh, spinning heel kick takes him out of the match. Eliminates him from the Royal Rumble. Now, Philip Lafonne is showing that he's got the toughness to go straight after Vader. Oh, well, not another count out. Lafonne, Irish ripping Vader. Oh, slow motion into the stairs. And now Furnace is taking out Vader as he's uh, prone on the outside. Trying to get another count out for his team. Now the crowd behind <clears throat> Team Canada, which is no surprise. <laughs> yeah, well, we're yet to see Goldust in this match. Goldust doesn't look too happy in the apron. I don't know if it's because of Team America or anything else. Oh, my God, Vader. Let's go for Irish River attempt. Just flip the fun. And again, this just seems a bit messy at the moment. Vader's got the fun. Belly to belly slam. This only means one thing. He's down. He's in the corner. Oh, no. Vader. Vader looking to get on the second rope. This is bad oh, enough. Splash. Splash is the fun. And there we go. <laughs> That's two eliminations from Vader. <laughs> the fun's out. And now Furnace in with Vader. And like I say, there's only two team two members left. Three against two now. Drop kick from Furnace. Yeah, that's nice. Athleticism. He's got a look about him as well. I would say the Perry Saturn-esque, but as in like guys who are going to be successful anyway. <laughs> and Furnace, going to Irish rip Vader. Try for the drop kick, but Vader missed. Looked like Goldust avoided that tag then. It did, yes. He was uh, wrapping himself around the corner. Mirror in. Those jabs are working well. Oh, no, not Vader off the apron. Takes down Furnace. Well, Mark Mero used to be all about the high-flying moves until he injured the knee, but it looks like he's got to go to the top rope again. Springboard oh! moonsault. <laughs> landed him. very awkward. Oh my god, landed awkwardly. That was Mero came down all his weight on the top of Furnace. Oh, spinebuster of sorts there from Furnace. How is, can he get the much needed tag? How has Doug managed to do that? He's in serious trouble. And the but, British Bulldog coming into yet another big cheer from the crowd. Working over Mark Mero. 
into the corner now. Will Johnny be bad? Mark Merrow in serious trouble. What's Bulldog going to do now? Oh, no. Sunset flip. Tries rolling him up. But Bulldog catches Merrow. Picks him up. He's got oh, him. Running power slam. It's the Bulldog's move of choice. Oh. Merrow with a backslide. Throws Bulldog into the corner. Oh, my God. Lays him out of a big right hand. I thought that was over there. Merrow. Nice back elbow. Bulldog getting a tag to Doug Furness, who might have recovered. And he's like, not you again. <laughs> not you again. Oh, Merrow's skills there. Oh, that's nice, but short right hand by Furness turns the odds against him. And now he's working away in the midsection. Merrow turns it round and he shows exactly what a boxer can do. Multiple shots to the midsection from Merrow. Exactly what an American boxer can do, goddamn. Uh oh, nice, nice pin attempt by Mero. Oh, oh my god, kick out though, and oh, Furness had a handful of tights, and he manages to roll up Mark Mero. And now it's two on two, but Vader, who you said got two eliminations, most dangerous man in this match at the moment, and oh, that means Sable has to go. Uh-oh. But I think that's the best Mark Mero's looked in quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we focus this. It's come down to a normal tag team match. And again, as you point out, Goldust has not yet been in there. So he's fresh. But it looks like Vader doesn't need him at the moment. Crowd definitely into this one after the, the start. It's kind of picked up a little bit. Higher stakes. What country's better? Is it Canada? Is it America? We'll find out after this match. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Doug Furness there. Beautiful clo- diving clothesline. Vader managing to get the tag to Bulldog. Now the powerhouse of Team Canada from England. He's representing, isn't it? It's Commonwealth at the end of the day. We'll lend our favourites to Canada. I suppose that is true. And now he's trying to pick up Vader. I don't know how good I did. <laughs> I don't know how much of a good idea this is. No. Well, Vader manages to reverse and suplexes the Bulldog. And now Vader desperately needs that tag to Goldust. Can Bulldog get one to Doug Furness? Or is he going to try and stop Vader? Oh, Goldust is saying, I've got an injured arm. I can't come in. So why are you part of this match then, Goldust? Oh, Doug Furness grabs Vader. Work around the punches. Exactly why is Goldust even out here? And Vader, oh! Back body drop, dropping Furness on his head. And Vader doesn't look very happy. He's recovering. He's like, come on, just come in. Yeah, just tag. Goldust, like JR tells us, Goldust has been cleared to compete. So maybe he's just chicken. You fight for your country's pride. Oh, referee! Distracted by Goldust. Got the low blow on Vader. Bulldog in now. Like I said, so much power, but can't help it when he runs into the big boot of Vader. Oh, but Vader comes out of the, with a big clothesline as well, taking down the British Bulldog. Come on, Goldust. Stop being a bitch. Do it for America. USA. <laughs> Your country needs you. Well, by the look on his face, he's saying, F you, James. F you. And Bulldog now tugs in. Furnace. Oh, Goldust. Drops down from the apron. Now Douglas Furness there working over Big Van Vader. Well, why is Goldust even here? Furness going to power Vader. No. Oh. Belly to belly overhead suplex from Furness. <laughs> you should cheer One, that. <laughs> two. Oh. oh. Vader managing to kick out. Uh, only two. Furness shot by that. And Goldust back on the starting to annoy me. A bit more power by Furness. Irish whip. Oh, going! Oh, lovely! Hurricane Runner on Vader. Oh, only getting a two count though. Two. And again, showing a replay of the belly-to-belly overhead suplex by Furnace. I think this is uh, 
Why didn't they keep this man on? Exactly. What happened? I'm knocking Doug down. Go for the tag and Goldust. Goldust saying no, the team. Turning his back to Vader. Oh! And he's getting tagged in by a slap round the face. And then introduced to this match by Vader, who just thrown him into the ring. Well, Goldust, yeah, you didn't want to end your in now. He's a legal man. Let's do this for America. Take out Doug Furness. Oh. Goldust slinking out the ring. He's certainly not going to become much in the WWE or WWF for that. The back of her head says alive again. But I tell you something, you're not living if you're not getting involved. And he walks out. And they count it out. So Goldust no longer in it. So it's just Vader. It's Doug Furness and Bulldog. And Vader's been beaten up. Majority of this match. What can Vader do? Can he pull it out? Well, Vader close on and Doug Furness down. And bringing Bulldog to his feet. And Vader's like, sod it, I'll do it all on my own then. Yeah, oh, slams Doug Furness down. <laughs> Gonna go up. And Bulldog's got the bell. Oh! Vader bomb from the second. Doug Furness down and out. It's only one man left, but Bulldog's got the bell. <laughs> wow, and he's just knocked Vader out with the bell. Vader, the referees didn't see Bulldog it. Bulldog rolls him up, two, three. <laughs> oh! Well, Team Canada wins. So, <laughs> Team Canada, they're the home team. They're, they're obviously the f- the faces in Canada. But can I just say something, right? Steve Blackman, count out. Yeah. Mark Mero, who was a roll-up with a handful of tights. Yeah. Goldust, obviously counted out after walking out on Vader. And the British Bulldog, like, beat Vader after striking him with a ring bell. So, all four was screwy finishes. Yeah. And yet they was the face home team getting cheered. Exactly, because this is what made it uh, quite enjoyable as well, was that the, the, the storylines was the fact that they were the bad guys. But in Canada, they were just sick of being told what to do by the Americans, so they cheered him, even if they did cheat. There was no, you know what I mean? There was no uh, way around it. And that's what made it brilliant. And even Steve Austin, you know, was getting the boost from the Canadian crowd because of his going up against Owen Hart. And Bret Hart as well. So it kind of really worked. Like you said, it could be more cheating. And yet, they still were loved. And yeah, Team Canada does win. But I think that match picked things up a little bit. And let's hope the pay for you improves from here. What on paper looks to be a very good match is we got Kane with Paul Bearer going against Mankind. Yeah, I mean, and Kane and Mankind. We saw it in August and September on the uh, the Monday Night Wars with uh, Paul Bearer having a secret and that secret was the uh, Untaker's little brother, Kane. But we didn't believe Kane existed, did we? We didn't no, see no again, proof. No, we thought it, were, it, it was probably sound like a Sister Abigail. Yeah, exactly. We saw nothing less until Bad Blood. And what happened at Bad Blood, though? Well, at Bad Blood, Kane came and ripped the door off the cage and attacked his brother, the Undertaker. And with that, Paul Bearer proved that he was telling the truth. All along, the Undertaker is nowhere to be seen at this moment in time. There is just Kane with Paul Bearer. And can I say, two world champions. <laughs> yeah, two world champions, yeah. And the thing with Mankind, he was managed by Paul Bearer, but Paul Bearer was more interested in Kane, so Mankind was upset. And plus, what's really interesting is when, the Undertaker, when Mankind first debuted, he went against the Undertaker, and now Kane debuting, and his first pay-per-view match is against Mankind. Let's have a look at the uh, build-up video to it. We are going to walk through the World Wrestling Federation. Take each wrestler one by one and destroy them. There it goes. 
took an innocent kid and you ruined him and you have left me here to pick up the pieces so Kane I want to make myself clear I'll fight you anywhere anytime anyhow thought 20 years later Kane would still be being portrayed as a monster and like is it fair do you think that's 20 years after his debut he's still is, is, is that how bad WWE is now they still have to rely well on set 10, 20 to, years ago all they're effectively doing is putting him over or a universal champion and a heavyweight champion and only to get defeated by a man who's not won anything in a WWE yet it would be the equivalent in 1997 of like Gorilla Monsoon being the monster coming yeah. out because that's what it was back in 77, you know. And to say that nothing has improved since then and to have Kane. Don't get me wrong, I like Kane, and especially when they did the monster, but it's too many times now, isn't it, that he comes back and it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, he's got different music and well, he's a monster. For me, they kind of ruined it when they unmasked him. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I did quite enjoy, like, you know, when the mask was going missing and Kane was, you know, he was kind of flickering between the two. That was good. You know, once he's been put over as a bit of a joke and a bit of a laugh, you know, in the Team Hell No kind of situation. Yeah, and then the corporate Kane thing was kind of, I thought, the end and the good way to trans stuff he wanted to do as opposed to this. But Mm. Kane back in 1997 is a monster. We don't know, you know, obviously one of the first masked men to have a prominent role in the WF, and he was going through the whole roster, including people like Flash Funk, the Hardys, and everybody else that got in his way. But Mankai didn't care for this. He stuck up for him, didn't he? (laughs) Well, yes, you know, he's putting a mandible claw on Paul Bearer and he's just bent one of them ring tighteners open but that's Kane how, yeah. sits up and that's the monster Kane was similarities to say just like his brother my god well no one knows what to expect from Kane but we all know what to expect from mankind he's only been in the WF just over a year and yet the fans seem to love him at the moment and of course this year we've seen Dude Love Cactus Jack and Mankind's back for Survivor Series. <laughs> well, of course, last year at Survivor Series, Survivor Series 1996, it was Mankind versus The Undertaker. So Mankind says he's ready for the challenge of Kane. He says he's going to run through the wall. Well, he's no wall. It's Kane. So no Canadians in this match? No, but they cheer when the lights go out. <laughs> yeah, lights go He's walking through hell, fire and brimstone. The big red machine, Kane, glittering in the fire. Oh, here comes Mankind straight away. Straight out to meet the big red machine. Sends Kane into the barricade. Didn't have any effect whatsoever. And this is Glenn versus Mick. <laughs> oh, my God. And Glenn. Kane just sent Mankind back first into the steps. Oh, my God. You can hear the impact of the stairs again. And the match hasn't even started. The lights 
haven't even come back on yet. This is a weird thing about Kane during the early days. All his matches were like this. Yeah. Literally in red light for the majority, yeah. Won't be until February they sorted it out. Kane looking to put away mankind. <laughs> and now the bell starts after Kane's fireworks. And mankind, I don't know if he stands a chance. He can take a lot of punishment, but I wouldn't think that's too good, especially with a man like Kane. About to dish it out. And will their brothers tough as you take what we've seen so far? It's not been too bad. No, he's certainly been coming across as a monster. Kicked in midsection by Mankind. He's going to fight off every opportunity he gets. Well, Mankind, you know, he's he's uh, no easy feat for any wrestler. There we go. Cactus clothesline. Sends him and Kane over the top rope, but both men land on their feet. Oh! Kane hit the clothesline of Mankind. And now Kane's got the stairs. And just throws him at Mankind's head. Jesus Christ. Ah, oh, mankind. You crazy bastard. Well, if you say that Marseille is just silly. Gets, oh, I was about to say he gets thrown in. Look at Kane. I think Kane might even be bigger than The Undertaker. He is taller. Oh, as he steps into the ring. Paul Bearer smirking at ringside, Dan. He hasn't got a cigarette in his gob, James. He's just got a big smile on his face. Oh, I think mankind's got a big dent in his head. But look at him. He's crazy pulling out his own hair. And he runs into a big boot from Kane. So do you reckon this is the best version of... I oh know it's the Kane, but do you think this is the best version of the Big Red Machine? Yeah, I think it is. I think this kind of monster, it was it was on a part to early Undertaker, how uh, destructive he was. And as we'll see, what happened to the Kane character, at this point it really didn't build from this, you know. But uh, I, I think, yeah, there's other Kanes I liked, don't get me wrong, uh, 2002 Kane, when he was really, he could go in the ring, you know, a version of him. Well, this, you know, he is still quite green, but I think he's just going over as a monster with the heavy strikes, the big boot, you know, and it's a basic offence. Yeah, and and another thing is, it's basically as well what we saw Bull Buchanan earlier. The fact is, this guy, Glenn Jacob, been around the WF. Isaac Yankum and other roles he played, fake Diesel, waiting for a character to work. WWE waited. Then he got Kane, you know, and he made it work. Don't get me wrong. But like, well, yeah, you know, he's stuck with Kane in some retrospects for the next 20 years. Exactly. And he was two years waiting for the right character. Not thought, didn't think he was going to get it. You know, Glenn Jacobs could have ended up as like a member of the DOA. You know, it all depends. <laughs> you know, he, he could have been the, he could have been the Kerrigan. <laughs> yeah. And Kirk could have been the Kane in this, you know. So, I mean, it's interesting to see. Maybe Glenn Jacobs built up a friendship. We saw an early match, didn't we, with him and The Undertaker back in 95. So maybe there was something going on there. But it's just weird how a career works. And like you said as well, two WF champions and two sure Hall of Famers as well, well at this say, time. Say Kerrigan put on the Kane mask. Do you think it would have been as successful as it it's really, it's really difficult to say, you know. I, it could have just been a one-off character for Kane, you know, until the Undertaker came back, defeated him, and then disappeared. I think you got to say Glenn Jacobs to make the Kane character with longevity is credit to him, whereas Kurgan could have done that, I think, is anybody's guess, you know. It's, it's, it's difficult to think longevity of, like, Crush. Could that have stayed for longer and could that have changed? And what has changed a little bit is Mankind has got a bit in this match. He sent Kane into the stairs, now he's got the chair... Well, he hit him on the head, came basically rolled into the ring, and he's back to his feet. <laughs> One man flapjack on the stairs, obviously set it up. And Mankind would have left the right hands. 
And a few big boots, but it's not knocking the big red machine off his feet. Well, he's not been down yet. Maybe now. Oh, seated pile driver. And that is the first time Kane has been down in this match. Maybe. Well, there we go. Bang, bang. He's channeling his inner Cactus Jack. And he's looking to hit Manimal Claw, but like you said, the mask isn't big enough. Well, he's not going to hit it on Man- oh! uh, on Kane. He's going to hit it on Paul Bearer. My God. And rather than win the match, you go after Paul Bearer and called him a pebble. Well, <laughs> you are a pebble. And Bearer sold it well. He did indeed, but he needs to turn his attentions back to the big red machine laying in the ring. Oh. oh who has just sit up and he's got back to his feet. Oh, my. He's got Mankind by the chest. Oh, my God. And just throws him off the ring apron <laughs> through the announce table. I don't even think the announcers had much warning to get out of the way. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everybody was just joined then. But Kane's not finished yet. Oh, yeah. Look at the announcers on the floor. Yeah, it might be the French or the Spanish. Oui. That is Tito Santana. He's down. <laughs> I think he had a mankind on his legs. <laughs> well, the destruction of Kane. Kane's not through a mankind jet. Look how many people are at ringside. Yeah, it's crazy. And they were grabbing Mick Foley as well. There's got to be some space. Oh. And a part of the announce table hitting the back of mankind, sending him over the steps. <laughs> They're trying to grab him and Kane's just <laughs> swatting him off. And now mankind's struggling to get to his feet. Kane's got him. Is he going to choke him out? Oh. A kind of a low kick. I'm assuming this is like a anything goes match I think the referee's playing it off like that even though he's trying to get him into the ring but what we've seen the referee could easily have counted him out disqualified mankind for the chair shot oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> maybe the light is so dim though referee can't see it you know ah, or mankind DDT's cane on the concrete so I was climbing back into the ring well with the red lights it's Kane's rules isn't it anything goes it's a red light district match and what's mankind going to go for Runs off the ring apron and just drops the elbow onto Kane. Kane is in a lot of trouble now. No one's ever brought it to him. And Mankind has. And if you're a Mankind, you're just sacrificing your body to take Kane down. But, you, you know, we're kind of missing the point that Mankind's beef <laughs> isn't with Kane. No. It's with Bearer. Oh! But as I say that, Kane's just done a beautiful vertical leap from the wafer-thin mats up to the ring apron. Grabbed Foley <laughs> off the ring edge and just thrown him onto the wafer-thin mats and partially onto the concrete below. My God, that was brilliant by Kane then. That was very impressive by the way. <laughs> I saw your face when he did it. You were like, oh, shit. I but... didn't expect that. That was like a Brock Lesnar leap up to the side of the ring apron. He takes his mask off and he F5s him. He's like, I'm Brock. Travel time travel, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> but Mick Foley, or uh, Mankind, to his credit, is climbing back into the ring. Now, Kane's got that look like a dog who just heard a weird noise going, what's going on? I thought I just stopped him. But Mankind said, you know, he's going to keep throwing himself at that wall. Oh, and Kane's staring straight at Mankind. He's got him up. him up. Yeah. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, Kane's got him. Oh. Tombstone hasn't learned the camera, static camera position yet. Cause he's got his back to it. But Kane there, Tombstone, just like his brother... Staring into the eyes of Mankind gets a victory. And a very impressive victory from Kane. I mean, he's certainly come over as a monster, especially against a, com- a competitor with, you know, the craziness of Mankind. Yeah, I know. I mean, Kane looked looked brilliant. 
in that match. And Mankind lost nothing at all because, like you said, he kept going and going. And he could have maybe even got the victory had he not wanted to hurt Paul Bearer. And that's what it was all about. But uh, You know, he hit the seated pile driver on Kane, but it was the big red machine eventually getting a victory in this match. And Paul Bearer said that Kane will continue his path of destruction until he gets The Undertaker. And if there's anything like we saw in that match, <laughs> it will be incredible. Not bad. Not bad match at all. And he picked things up the last couple of matches. So Michael Cole backstage with Sergeant Slaughter and Vincent Mann. And Sergeant Slaughter saying that he's going to be people around ringside to make sure nothing happens. <laughs> you can see, looking at him now, <laughs> yeah. that he knows He knows, doesn't he? he? He fucking looked a little smirk on his fucking side of his mouth. Uh, yeah, so interesting. He admits that. They shared it a couple of times. And in 1997, this was like a kayfabe breaking. Unbelievable. But we are going to move on. The gang wars. And what gang is bigger than the nation of domination? As we saw on the last Monday Night Raw's podcast, The Rock joining the nation. And what do you think of the nation? What do you think of this lineup? Uh, it's certainly an impressive lineup. Big fellas. Yeah, you know, you've got Staffer. You've got Farouk, you've got The Rock, and you've got, of course, D'Lo, not his head, Brown. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the nation that would be until they eventually went in the end of 98, wouldn't it? You know, um, yeah. with well, D- you, D'Lo, you, Godfather. You know, you've got Kam Mustafa, who goes on to become the Godfather. You've got Farouk, who teams up as part of the APA. You've got The Rock, who, well, he doesn't really do much with no, the rest Brock, of his career. No, I've not really heard it, no. And then no. D'Lo Brown goes on to become the greatest ever um, intercontinental champion. Yeah, European champion. European champion. Uh, intercontinental champion D'Lo Brown has been as well. You know, and uh, like we said, Godfather was the intercontinental champion. And now backstage with these guys who have not been happy with the nation all year. The thing is about it, at WrestleMania 13 of this year, it was the Road Warriors and Ahmed Johnson versus the Nation in a Chicago street fight, so they still would have beef. Well, vivid picture he paints there. Yeah, exactly. All the children watching at home. Tag team champions, though. They are, indeed. They won them recently. And Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, only joined the WF recent times. But seems a lot more switched on than Steve Blackman, didn't he, delivering that promo? Oh, most definitely. And Albert de Frugier is... Introducing Ken Shamrock. Not getting a bad cheer. I, I like Ken Shamrock a lot. I should have used him more. Cause former Intercontinental Champion. Tag Team Champion. Part of the UFC. Now he's a little bit uh, punch drunk, shall we say. Bless him. But it's incredible to think what The Rock became, though. To be part of a racist group in 1997. 20 years later to be the biggest movie star in the world, you know? Well, here comes Ahmed Johnson. He was the rock before the rock was a rock, I guess. He was the, yeah. he was the pre-rock. Yeah, the big well, baby face. The size of him all oiled up. But look, the incredible thing about Emma Johnson, he was rookie of the year in 1996, and in a year he looked like he'd wrestled for 20. Because if you look at his wrestling attire, it should only be pants and knee pads. But because of the amount of injuries that he's had on him, look, look at this. <laughs> he's, got... he's got fucking leg braces. <laughs> Two fire braces, two knee braces, and the team always respected no matter where they go. Hitman kicks some NWO ass. Well, in the NWO. Yeah. Here come the Legion of Doom. Without their famous spikes, though. Are they saying a team of, uh, of black men are criminals? <laughs> well, it sounds that way, doesn't it? You know, this gang mentality. We said, you know, 
A lot of flashing lights as well from the Road Warriors. Epileptic fit. Or can Animal been yo-yoing back and forth WWF WCW during the 90s. But they're here at the moment and it's, it's still good to see him, isn't it? You know, you don't see a lot of Legion of Doom around and this should be a good match. And Ahmed in a one-man stare-down with the whole of the nation. He certainly has got beef. Beef. With the NOD. Right, I've been fiddling about with drinks and that. Have I missed anything? No. Oh, so well. D-Lo <laughs> and Hawk starting off this match. Uh, here we go. Hawk going to show his power. Is he going to sell anything in this match? These are the questions we're going to ask ourselves. I don't know, but it looks to me as if he wants to buy some stuff. But <laughs> D-Lo dodging Hawk's offence. Ah. Oh, tries for a clothesline on Hawk, but gets taken down himself. That's not going to stop the nation member. No. D-Lo's picking Hawk up. Oh! Power driver will take him down. Seated power driver, but Hawk no sells it. Gets straight back up. Oh! Oh, Fucking hell. Reverse stunner to D-Lo. Right, here comes the rock. This means business now. It's going to hurt Hawk. Do you Uh smell the rock is cooking? Uh He looks quite black. He he does. He does. Hawk's coming. (laughs) Oh, but gets kicked from behind. And now the rock... Oh, rock bottom. One, two, three. Very oh. good count from Tim White. Well, he knew Hawk was going to try and kick out, wasn't he? Uh-huh. <laughs> and the Rock. And now everyone in this match is alive. Rock pins Hawk, and the Rock will be all right in this match. He'll be fine. Uh oh. Ahmed Johnson, not a man you want to meet down a dark alley. Not that you'd be able to see him. No, and the Rock pokes him in the eye. And Ahmed Johnson. Well, if you say the Rock looks black, what's Ahmed Johnson look like? In <laughs> Karma, Mustafa. Yeah, here comes Karma, and now about the same size as Ahmed. Of course, being around the WF for a long time, Papa Shango before, and this beautiful manoeuvre by the Rock, whatever it's called, as Jr. would say. And Karma. Well, do you reckon Karma's going to pimp him some hoes? I think he will. Closed ironing Ahmed down. It's already a four and three advantage. This nation's a great team. And now here comes the leader. After Armour's been beaten down a little bit, Farouk. Farouk, the man that injured Armour Johnson back in 1996. He was the start of Armour Johnson's leg troubles. He was, he was. And uh, oh, all the injuries in between, which Farouk knows to go after. Well, the former gridiron great, Farouk. Yep. And, and again, two superstars you might never associate being together. If I had said to you when we were watching this paper, you live, Dan, you know the leader of the nation of domination is going to team up with Blackjack Bradshaw like we saw in the opening belt and become a tag team, you would have told me to F off, you know? So Indeed, yes. And uh, Ahmed Johnson's been beaten down by the corner of the uh, nation of domination. The stroops, straps are down for Farouk. The stroops are definitely done. The stroops are done. <laughs> the stroops are done. It looks like this big man's going to try and finish it off. Big man. And Armour Johnson's in a lot of trouble. Well, he needs to get to tag. He I mean, needs... I think Farouk needs to stop playing with his Johnson. Well, he needs to tag Animal or Shamrock, but Farouk going for the Dominator. Oh. Ahmed reverses it. Is it Pearl River plunge time? It looks that oh. way. One, two... Free. Oh my god, the lead. Very shaky looking Pearl River plunge, but nonetheless just as effective. The leader's eliminated. Farouk's gone. Now it's these three men, these three young men in there, especially D Lo and The Rock. Well, it's not stopping D Lo. Nice heel kick. Well, Rocky Marvia is going to go for his patented frog splash. It looks that way. Here comes D Lo Brown. Beautiful frog splash. Bang! Hits its mark. Oh. 
That might have been a mistake by D'Lo. Rather going for the pin. He's doing a nation chant. But maybe he wants to hurt Ahmed because he eliminated Farouk, you know? D'Lo with a big right hand, but seems to be helping Ahmed out. Well, he's psyching up the big man. Big man. Blocks D'Lo's punches. Here comes Ahmed Johnson now. Irish rip. Oh, he got two Johnsons in there as well. As Ahmed looking to put D'Lo away. Oh! Face first suplex there. But D'Lo managing to get to the corner, tagging the rock. Here he comes. Double leg tag. Ahmed Johnson saying, you and Farouk, it's still... Well, he's arguing with the referee. But he got eliminated about five minutes ago. Oh. oh. Farouk. Referee can see Farouk grabbing onto the legs, but the other, Timmy White can't. Well, they can't eliminate Farouk because he's already gone. I suppose you're right. And the Rock does pin Ahmed, and Ahmed's gone now. And that's a bit of a surprise. It's just Shamrock and Animal left. And Ahmed Johnson chasing out Farouk. That's the fastest Ahmed's running quite some time. He catches Farouk. Now the fight's on. We'll get backstage and go, that was fun, wasn't Yeah, it? exactly, yeah. <laughs> How's your legs, mate? Sorry about that. Yeah. But the rivalry continues between Armand and Fruit, but now it's three on two. An animal still arguing with the ref, saying, what the H is going on? Exactly. What the H-E double hockey sticks? Watch your language, please. The Canadian fan's not very happy about this. Going to work his way on animal. Oh, no. It's all been a bit fuddly today, isn't it? Just like today on the... On the... Lots well, of moves going a little bit awry. Yeah. It's not as crisp. No. Shamrock gets a tag in. Close lines to the rock. Now again. Oh, my word. A look, lovely drop kick by Ken Shamrock. Oh, look at the height. Stay height. Get height. Stay height. And now the rock tags in karma. Oh. And the reason you say, the reason why they haven't got the, uh, didn't come out with the traditional spikes, Dan. Because the New Age Outlaw stole them off them. Karma and Animal down. Even man going to get the tag. No, Karma misses the strike and... Oh! Animal manages to power him up. Slam him down. And now Animal taunting D'Lo. Oh, a big heel kick there to Animal. Is he going to try and finish this match off? Uh, more interest Chartland Nation. I don't know if that was a tag. Uh-oh. Oh. Karma, no, Karma not rock off the apron. Rolls him up with a schoolboy for the victory. Now Karma's gone. He's now two on two. D'Lo and Rocky... Marvia against Shamrock and Animal. Dino Brown's in, and he's looking to put Animal away, but I think Animal, Animal. just got Animal just got the tag to Shamrock. Yes, he did. I was right about that. And now Shamrock, nice drop kick. Now working the midsection of Dino Brown. Shamrock looks in great shape though, and Dino catches him right hand. Coming at the back, and oh, entices Animal into the match. Referee distracted, so we see a bit of uh, Hill double team, and the Rock going down low on Shamrock. D low down. <laughs> now D low taunting. Gonna put Shamrock away. No, just playing with him. Now D low snap there, take down. Oh, he didn't even do the neck thing. Just did the leg drop. You're not gonna pin him like that. Slowing things down towards the end of the match. <laughs> Shamrock getting his breath back. Four, 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 four on four elimination matches. I think it's a bit. Is, too it, is this much. a full four on four match? Yeah. D low choking out Shamrock. You got that submission hold, but then he found himself down again. D'Lo sends Shamrock down. This might be it now. Bill Apps to get out of the way. Looking for a frog splash. To finish this match. No. (laughs) Even if Shamrock was in the right position, he would have fucking missed Shamrock didn't even need to move. No. (laughs) That was a lovely manoeuvre from D'Lo Brown. I mean, a lovely uh, springboard moonsault there. But Mr. Mark by a 
fucking kilometre since they were in Canada. D-Lo tags in the rock. Animal win. He's on fire, baby. Drop kick to the rock. Kick, takes down the rock. Takes down D-Lo. Picks up D-Lo. Oh, what's this in the background, though? Oh, power slam by Animal win. Not as good as Randy Orton's. Oh, my God. It's in the way Outlaws. Coming down wearing the LOD spikes. Oh my god, they've not finished with the Lord of the Ring. They've not finished with New Age Out. They've not finished with Road Warriors. Legion of Doom, that's what they're called. And Animal now, oh my god, just through Chad Patton. As he goes after the. Oh! Oh, salt to the eyes of Animal. Oh, hook when you need him. God, and the Outlaws. Played by No Rules and got the uh, spikes. And Shamrock is by himself and still a rock and D-Lo Brown left. Nice face paint, but. But, nice face paint, Billy. God, you're getting in a mucking fuddle, aren't you? Right, I'll turn to JR. I don't know what Hardy it is. So, Animal and the Legion of Doom have been embarrassed here tonight. And now Shamrock finds himself in a two-on-one situation. Situation. Oh, the Rock and D-Lo got a very special handshake. D-Lo Brown calling out Shamrock saying, You want to fight? Fight me. You fight, fight? I fight, fight. Oh, D-Lo taking Ken down. Nice team up. Well, they could just take their time now, the nation. Put Ken Shamrock down. D- Ken Shamrock made D'Lo Brown. He's got the ankle lock in, and D'Lo has to tap out. Oh, and The Rock from behind with a chair taking out Shamrock. Well, Rocky Maivia now saying, I'm going to pin Ken. Let's go for the pin. One. Two. Oh, he kicked out at one and a half. And The Rock can't believe it. What's it going to take to put Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, down? If a chair shot to the back, won't do it. Fox just take him in the corner. Kick into the midsection. And the Rock now might be getting overconfident. But he doesn't care. Shamrock versus, but the Rock there, beautiful. It's him with a DDT. Yeah, this man has got talent. He has. Two. He's got the win. Oh! I thought that was three. Well, the Rock is P.O.'d. Well, Timmy, I think, hit the mat for the third time, but the shoulder might have been up. If Timmy's not in the best of shape. And try and stop your shoulder, or stop your hand. Hitting that mat, but it might be irrelevant now because oh, he's rock. going for the bounce off the ropes elbow. <laughs> yes, he's patting it, move at the time. His oh, elbow don't. hits it. That's got to be it. It's finished so many men in the future. Oh, the Shamrock still managing to kick out. Ah, oh, going on ringside as well. Fans are having a little argument. There's a bit of a ruckus going on. Lots of people everywhere at the moment. It looks a bit of a mess. And Shamrock working the midsection of the rock. Looking to put him away. Rock reverses the Irish rip. No. Oh, ducks it. Goes turns the... it around for DDT, but Shamrock turns it into Solvents. Well, Shamrock had it scouted. What happened last time round? Shamrock and the rock back to the feet. Who's going to win this war? Wow, a lovely hurricane runner there by the UFC, man. You don't see that in an octagon. To their feet. And look at Shamrock screaming. Roaring into life. Gets him down with the armbar. Locks in the ankle lock. The Rock's got nowhere to go. Taps like a bit. Oh, my God. And it is over. Look how happy Ken Shamrock is to have won that match. Wow. The man that could beat The Rock has got to go on to become something great. Oh, wait a minute. No well, I'll tell you what, though. In 1998, Shamrock would have so many victories over The Rock. It would be unfucking believable And then when The Rock finally turned, Shamrock couldn't buy a victory over him. Do you know what I mean? He was like, Shamrock's a star. Shamrock's a star. Oh, no. We're going to go for The Rock. Anyway, what did you think of the match? Um, Apart from being long. Again, you know, it was full of uh, bits of controversy. You know, you've got uh, Farouk tripping Ahmed Johnson. 
You've got um, New Age Outlaws coming out and distracting Animal. You know, it is uh, screwy ends to some of the match. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit meh. And then to have Ken Shamrock winning it. Yeah, but Shamrock was a big start. Like, at this time, he just debuted, beating Vader on his debut. And it's good to, you know, turn one against the nation. It shows that he's got the fight in him, you know. And uh, as we see in 98, they really were thinking Shamrock was going to be something special. And we talk about attendance, 293 here in Canada. As we move on to our next, well, two matches, and they're both main event matches. <laughs> Up next in the Connell title on the line, Steve Austin versus Owen Hart. Then, of course, Brett versus Sean. I suppose nothing will happen there. <laughs> no, these last two matches are going to be boring as fuck. Yeah. All right, so up next it is Steve Austin versus Owen Hart for the Connell title. We're going to look at this video of Steve Austin now. He has redefined the phrase playing in pain. And Steve Austin, ladies and gentlemen, went to the emergency room after his first matchup. The bald man, Mark Merrill, had some 16 stitches in his mouth and in, I believe, his tongue and has returned back here to the king of the ring. And the starter of party in one, two, and he got it! Stone Cold Steve Austin lives by one philosophy. It's not how many times you go down that counts. It's how many times you get up. Well, obviously Austin doesn't want any help. He's got one leg. He's lost all kinds of blood. But wait a minute. He's hurt. He's wounded. But here comes Stone Cold. Down comes Steve Austin. Let's get to the ring. Austin coming out to get a shot at the Hart Foundation. Now he's getting up for a payback performance. Owen Hart holds up his little slammy like he's some kind of thick shot. He's the biggest piece of crap I ever laid my eyes on. And if he was here in person, I'd put about a dozen arrows right through his ass. There you go, Owen, you piece of Oh! The feeling, however, is mutual. Now, we all know what I'm capable of doing. Close to the end of the match, when uh, Owen Hart dumped me on my head, you figure I weigh 245, 250, bad, you get planted in the mat, it happens. And uh, for basically about 50 seconds, I couldn't move my arms and my legs, and I didn't know if I ever would move again. It's pretty damn scary. So uh, Owen Hart has got hell to pay. You get dumped on your head, you get the position that I was put in, it ain't worth a damn. And I'm just uh, a little bit off. Well, I'm not a little bit off. I'm a whole lot off. Austin proved his legacy by rising this night. When you do what he did to me, you know, if it's my last step in life, you can damn well bet he's going to get the kicked out of him one way or the other. Here comes that rattlesnake. This belt and myself are going into Canada at the Survivor Series against you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And believe me, this belt is going to stay where it belongs. On November 9th, it ain't a wrestling match. It's payback time for Owen Hart. And you're looking up from the mat with your neck broken in half. And believe me, this belt is going to stay in Canada where it belongs. You American people don't deserve to see me a champion of my caliber. At Survivor Series, will anyone be able to stand up in the end? 
So it's all about the toughness. He's trying to sell us on the toughness of Steve Austin. What he did at King Ring Night 6 when he had the, uh, the teeth knocked out or even with the Owen Hart thing now. And he was so popular at this time to have an injury like that happen with such bad timing. And it's credit to Austin that he had serious neck injury and he still came, you know what I mean? He's still part of W programming. Members of staff, you know, started off with Sergeant Slaughter, JR, the King, and then eventually Vincent Mann that we've seen. Owen Hart won the Intercontinental title in a tournament. Uh, bad blood. And he's just set things up perfectly with Steve Austin and Owen Hart. Especially with Owen 316, I just broke your neck. It's a real personal feel to it, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Not a bad reaction for the rattlesnake. Here we go, got the glass up. The bionic redneck just walks through half a skull. <laughs> and Steve Austin just made those fans shit themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Pyro, man. Next, now we've got Austin, man. Yeah, Austin getting a nice response considering he's he's been beating up Bret Hart and Owen Hart and mostly Hart Foundation for most of 97. So this is what, November of 97 and JL was already calling Steve Austin the toughest SOB in the WWF, you know. It's all leading to, it all seems to have a story to it as we'll find out as we, you know, continue watching the product. All this stuff, you know, what happened at SummerSlam with Owen Hart and Austin coming to a head here tonight. Austin wants a member of the crowd to come out. See what kind of cheer Owen Hart gets. Chicken. <laughs> My God, and Owen Hart not coming alone here. Great ovation. He's coming out. We're in a kind of title on a Canadian flag. The Bulldog's got his two slammies. But that's not enough people, is it, Dan? It's not enough. No, he's got Jim the Anvil, Neidhart. Yeah, Doug Furness, Philip Lafon there. Part all team calendar at ringside with Owen Hart. And representing it. And Owen said he's a real hitman because he, t- he took out... Steve Austin, whereas Brett could not, so they've still got the uh, brother, you know, the sibling rivalry there. And what's the entrance? What's the video of Owen Hart? Though? Well, you know, everyone gets their own normal little videos, but this is just Owen Hart repeatedly uh, seated pile driver in Austin, and he's wearing that Owen three sixteen. I just broke your neck T-shirt. Oh my god! I would say would it be allowed today, but you probably still would be allowed to wear a T-shirt like that. Do you know what I mean? If you did seriously injure someone, co-main event. Owen seems to be very happy about himself, but Austin's got a lot of fans in attendance. But Owen was a classic heel, and this is what he did. You know, he'd cheap way out. He would he would be happy about exploiting a serious injury of Steve Austin. Just classic heel. Mike Keoda looks so young. <laughs> I got to remember it was 20 years ago. My oh God, he's not the senior referee. I wonder what the senior referee Al Hebner's doing tonight, Dan, at Survivor Series. <laughs> wow, throwing the Owen Frieda at Austin. I'm sure Austin will appreciate it. Uh-oh. Just ripping it to shreds. And, oh, the Anvil win! Oh. Stunner for him. Sold it terribly. He's probably been smoking crack with a bulldog backstage. <laughs> well, Owen Hart attacks Austin... From behind, and now he's working. And Steve Austin ain't even got his vest off yet. Break his neck, Owen. One of the signs in the crowd. Lovely. Well, may the vest man win. <laughs> now he's working the midsection, and Austin's just going to fight. Going to brawl his way around this. Beautiful right hands by Steve Austin. Irish rip reversal. Owen Hart with a kick to the midsection. No slowing things down. Oh. Looking for that devastating seated pile driver. But Austin with the backdrop thinking, no, I'm not having any more of that. Rolls out the way. And picks Austin's leg, wraps it round the ling, po- ri- uh, ling post. Ah, lovely. Uh, the ring post. And Steve's in serious trouble now. And, oh, it looks like the uh, 
Team Canada is going out, well, getting out of harm's way, maybe, <laughs> from Steve Austin. And Owen Hart trying to work over Austin's leg, but Austin just pulled Owen into the ring post, smashing his face on it. Hart doesn't want none. He's going to the back. He don't want none. He would reclaim his Intercontinental title. He would retain his Intercontinental title. But here comes Steve Austin. Austin don't want to go out like that. Oh. Hits him from behind. I went down to his knees and lost his saying, bring him out, bring Team Canada out. He beat the shit out of him. And sends I went into the barricade. Drags his candy ass back to the ring. Well, there's definitely been a kind of no DQ feel about here tonight, isn't there? A lot of uh, lot of stuff going on. Referees come out with Owen and Austin. We saw K-Man kind of earlier. Austin throws Owen in. Owen rolls out the other side, looking for an escape. Unfortunately, not getting any. And, oh. oh, a low blow there. I'm sure the referee saw that. I think referee was coming out of the ring, so maybe his back was turned. No, he was looking right at him. Owen throwing Austin on the monitor. And Owen now working midsection of Steve. Raking the eyes. Oh, my God. And he's just choking out Austin with that camera cable on that injured neck. And referee's saying, come on. And Owen's saying, why is this illegal for? <laughs> and see, Mike Coda wants a proper winner. He's Owen low. Looks to be on top of Steve Austin. <laughs> Austin backing into the corner, trying to lift himself up. He's in the ring ropes, but Hart's not letting him. And he's just putting that foot on that badly injured neck. But the Barnick Redneck's getting back to his feet. I don't know how Austin's getting up, but Owen breaking the eyes. And I should say, before you know, we, we talk about the state of the match, Austin is, is, is back, but... Obviously, he's not back to his best, and it would take a couple of months for him to really kind of get in that groove again. Like, these are serious injuries that keep normal men out for a year, but Austin didn't, you know, have surgery. He just stuck with it, you know, which uh, seems crazy and dangerous. And when you look at Steve Austin, you can kind of see that. But we're not interested in that. We're interested in what Stone Cold's doing at the moment, and that's stomping a mud hole and walking it dry. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, looking for a sidewalk slam, but Owen flipping out of it. I thought I was going to go for the pile driver. Kick to the midsection, stunner. One, two, three. Oh! And just like that, Austin is the new Intercontinental Champion. He's got his title back and a bit of revenge. Oh! Well, Philip Lafon came in, caught the stunner. Will Doug Furness fare any better? No, he got caught with a stunner <laughs> as well. Anyone else want a stunner? Austin's dishing him out for free. Oh, my God. How strong does Steve Austin look after that performance? Wow. (laughs) Wow. He just took out Team Canada, and he is the Intercontinental Champion, goes into the Lions' den, walks out with a gold. What do you think of the match? Uh, Well, it was over quite quickly. Made Austin look really strong, didn't it? Yeah, you know, I think it was... That was all in Austin's favour, this match. Uh, Certainly building up, to, building him up to be a big superstar in the future. I'm hoping. Yeah, exactly. And this is what it looks like at the moment with JR on commentary saying how tough he is to, to a numbers advantage, still being injured, coming back. They are building Austin up, and it'd be interesting to see with the Royal Rumble near rise. And he did win the '97 event, but when we watched Rumble '98, tender there, and uh, I mean he, he handled what was that four stunners in a match? Oh, I mean, I'm happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they weren't the best sold, the stunners, yeah. stunner sellers would get better as it go on. But well, yeah, once the rock goes into a match with Austin, exactly, sell them brilliantly. But yeah, three sixteen rules at the moment, and uh, not too bad. We're talking about double factory starting, and um, 
Well, they've got the WWF scribble, yeah. there, but they haven't got it in the corner yet. Yeah, that's, that's, we'll be looking at these little things as we go along. But next, it's not a little thing. It's probably the biggest, well, it is the biggest moment in Survivor Series history. Be even wrestling history, you could argue, give or take. It's the big, biggest controversy, biggest controversial moment in WWE history, I think. Cool. And what's really interesting about this is that they replayed the opening promo again for uh, this matchup, and it all goes down to this, you know. It, you know, it is a huge moment. They got the music. They got the cage music. It's the ominous uh, begin. Well, Michaels is coming out of his locker room now. European champion recently beat British Bulldog at one night stand. Coming out with Triple H, China, and Rick Rude, Degeneration X, and we get the anticipation coming. Here we go. Here comes Shawn Michaels. Woo! Here comes Shawn Michaels. And look at his cocky little smirk. He hasn't got a cigarette in his garb. He's just got a big cheeky grin on his face. Is his mouth bigger back then? I don't know if it's possible. That's the way he's sticking up his lip. Oh, no. That cup of piss. Yeah, well, someone threw a drink over Michael's when he snatched the Canadian flag. And Michael's got a Canadian flag. I'm sure he won't disrespect it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly knows how to rile up the fans. <laughs> he rubbed it in between his legs. Blows his nose on it. Yeah. <laughs> Sticks a corner up his nostril. And Sean, in all his, I would say, arrogant magnificence here. I'd agree with that, yeah. Uh, Signs says Sean's ego bigger than life. And <laughs> he's telling the Canadian flag to suck it. <laughs> And then starts humping it. Uh, oh, HBK equals fact. Yeah, all right. Maybe people... Sean is a... God. God. But, uh, you know, language back then, you know. Why wait? Leave now, Brett. Well, people know Brett's going to WCW. This is the thing we've heard. We've heard this is Brett's last match. And the cage music as the world, as a WWF champion, prepares. And again, we see the British Bulldog and Jim the Anvil Neidhart assisting their fellow Canadian to the ring. Foundation coming out with Brett at the moment. That will, oh, and his son coming out with a Canadian flag as well. This will play a vital role in everything. We've got so much to cover after this match. But the WF champion, five-time WF champion, Brett Hart, coming out here, been with the WWE roster for so many years, 14 years. He's also got the camera for the uh, Wrestling With Shadows documentary. But it builds up, doesn't it? It's suspense. It's good. Oh, yeah. Definitely. We know this is the main event now. He comes out. He doesn't seem very happy. He's not very happy, but he's come out here by himself. He's holding a Canadian flag now. There's no one else with him. But Brett loved by the Canadian fans. But it must be a lot of emotion for Brett. I can't remember. Whose side are you on? You're on Brett. Yeah. Yeah, well, the thing is with WF, you know, they offered him the contract. He, he, he's just going for money. You know, he could have stayed with the WF, but it's all about money. Well, would you go to a similar gig paying you more money? Not if it meant that I wouldn't be happy creatively. If they said you go work this place for money, but you're not allowed to do the podcast, then I would say no. Well, that's not really... <laughs> no, I'm just saying. fucking apples and oranges. <laughs> no, yeah, but say. still. I'm saying it. If you can't do what you want to do... If they're stifling you, creativity, you know, creativity and stuff. Creativity. Creativity. And now we're going to pass this on a young fan. What a lovely moment that is. It's your fault he got screwed. I'll snatch him off his head. <laughs> China is a man. Another sign. Here we go. Brett Michaels. 
Well, you, you got to think what Michaels is feeling at ringside. He's does Michaels know at this point? Yes, at this point he knows. Brett it, doesn't. No, Brett doesn't know. The My, only people that know is Al Hebner, Michaels and Vince. Vince course. and, yeah, because Pat Patterson still denies whether he does or does not know. And Triple H... <laughs> See that cheek? I know. And Triple H knows because he came up with the idea. At the moment, you know, I mean, in real life, these two men have been over the weekend discussing how this match is going to end. Michael said he's not going to lose to anybody, he's not going to lose to Brett and lose to you, Sean. So how would they resolve the situation? Situation. If you've got a guy there saying, I will not lose to you, what do you do? I mean, who is better, Brett or Sean, wrestling-wise? Um, so that is a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. But Michael's coming straight out of the blocks, attacking Brett. And Brett now with a cheers, fighting Michaels. I don't think this is going to be the kind of wrestling-based uh, <laughs> match we saw at WrestleMania 12. Brett now crazing over Michaels with the punches, sending Sean flying about all over the ring. And headbutt now by Brett might hurt himself a little bit. Now punching Sean. Oh, and he eliminates him from the Royal Rumble quite aggressively. Well, Brett is going to be aggressive in this match. He wants to prove he can beat Sean. And Michael sent into the ring post there. Brett wants to hurt Sean. Oh my God! Huge right hand. No, Hebner making sure he's got control of everything that goes on here. Again, Michael's punched in. I think they're going to let this go. We've seen a lot tonight. Sean sent into the stairs. I think disqualification. Don't have to worry about that. Well, King, not sure if this match is underway or not. Oh, Hebner looking at Brett, uh, Mark Yeet in the ring announcer, and Sean just gets sent into the crowd. I don't know if Sean's going to be Doesn't out of here. No, I don't think Sean's going to be safe. I think the fan trying to punch Sean. Referee getting in the way. This is crazy. And there's a security there trying to stop that fan from punching Sean. But if you're not near him... Why not get in a few digs? Yeah, referee's in there as well. And they've gone into the sea of humanity. Well, we are in Montreal. We <laughs> they've gone into the people here. And now Brett, I think, realising it's not the Sean back over. And Pat Patterson's at ringside. There's Sergeant Slaughter. There's Vince McMahon at ringside trying to sort out all these problems at the moment. And we don't see Vince. He's left the commentary uh, team. And now he seems to be there. And Michael's fighting back with a couple of elbows to Brett's head. Well, Brett's in on the announce table. But, I mean, this is crazy. The, the amount of referees on here trying to get control of it. Oh, my God. Brett sent into the stairs by Sean. And now Michael's got the American flag. Choking <laughs> Brett out with the American flag, yeah. Well, glory, come to good news here tonight. One of the most famous Canadians getting choked out. And they're still not getting in the ring. Still fighting around ringside. Gerald Briscoe, look, Stooges are there. Hey. Oh. And Brett knocked down, your fan. <laughs> and now Brett and Sean fighting each other. Oh, my God, that woman got trampled on there by Sean. And now Sean looking to pile drive Brett Hart. Brett with a backdrop sending Michaels back to the ring area on them wafer-thin mats. Well, you can tell these men hate each other as Brett and Sean... Oh! Fucking hell. <laughs> a thunderous low blow. I think Sean still feels that today. <laughs> And the King pointing out why isn't man out here? There was no need for him. We've got the commissioner. Don't need Vince. And Sean being sent up the rampway. Going for pile driver again. Not successful last time. And just as unsuccessful this time, Brett with another backdrop again. 
And this is a gang. We saw we saw gang wars. It ain't about the four on four on four matches we've seen. It's about this well, match right this here. This is a gang war. This is the WWE versus Brett. <laughs> <laughs> and he delivers a suplex onto Sean. Uh, suplex to Sean on the concrete on the outside. I mean, fucking hell. There is no protection there whatsoever. Even with the massive officials here, they can't stop him. Oh! Matt Patterson. <laughs> yeah, what's the need for that? Matt Patterson's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what did I do? And now Brett and Sean fighting, and Sean's got hold of uh, Brett Singlet trying to stop him. Oh! Throws him into the referee. That's Timmy White down. Brett makes sure he hasn't broke his nose. My God, I've not seen anything like this. Oh, and Brett bouncing Sean's head off the metal barricades. I mean, we've seen literally no oh. ring action whatsoever. <laughs> Not this at has all. all. Just been outside in the crowd, back round all the ring area. That's, that's quite dangerous. And he threw him over the back, but that's where they swept up all the broken glass from Steve Austin's entrance. <laughs> so, that'd be like ICW type of shit. <laughs> yeah. But five singers are trying to put out the fire, and Sean has been Brett's whipping boy in the majority of this match. Well, I wouldn't really call it a match. And Vincent Mann there trying to get Brett back in. Oh, don't worry, Brett. Don't worry, Vince. He'll interact with you in a bit, mate. All right? Oh, <laughs> Chad Patton. He could well, block if, himself. If uh, Michaels can take <laughs> out, Brett can do it as well. And Brett headbutting. Sure, Michaels right in front of Vincent Mann. If they call for it here, do you know what I mean? So the match couldn't have happened because of this. Would the fans have been happy? No. Pro- probably not, but still. We wouldn't have seen what we have seen. <laughs> the hitman all over Sean. They're finally making their way back to the ringside. Well, in the middle of this fight, rest of the match might break out in a minute. Uh, indeed, yes. The bell hasn't even rung yet. Brett. <laughs> <laughs> to get Sean inside. Dragging Sean's limp body back to the ringway. Well, there's another drink or coke that went over Brett's shoulder. A lot of uh, lot of flags and uh, drinks going to fly in here. Now Brett picks up, I think it's the uh, Montre- Montreal or Quebec flag. There we go. <laughs> Bell's rung and Brett's immediately going for a choke out to try and get disqualified. And Shawn Michaels is in serious trouble. And finally, after all them shenanigans, the match has started. Shawn take a little bit of a breather. They have literally been all around the arena as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, now they're back in the centre of the ring. Who will get the best of this? And Brett's got Shawn up. Oh, inverted atomic dropper. Michael sells it like a good one. <laughs> well, this is what Shawn Michael's all about. He said when he goes in, no matter what his attitude, he was the best wrestler in the world. We'll find out here tonight. Brett Irish whip Shawn, but Shawn, classic, taking down Brett Hart. Michael's nips up. And another drink comes into the ring as he nips up. But that won't stop Shawn. And punts Brett in the face. <laughs> We thought Randy Orton was the first one that did that. Now, Sean. Oh. Just stomping on the hitman's face. Oh, that flag's still there. Well, I'll tell you what. That's fair enough, though, because... Uh, it is now 2-2 in flag choking. <laughs> yeah, if we're following the flag choking etiquette. Brett being busted open. It looks like his hand's bleeding. Well, he's, he's been busted over, hitting him over Sean's face. That is it, indeed. And Michaels tells the fans to suck it. I say, else is thrown in there. Maybe a weapon for Brett to use. And Sean here is just riling the crowd up. They are. It's one of the most raucous crowds I've seen. And the problem is, though, for every drunk adult there trying to get over the, the barricade, you've probably got a kid nearby. Do you know what I mean? Trying to enjoy... 
I mean, yeah. it looks very adult-like, though, I will say, the kind of the r- rows that I yeah, can I, see. I think before that time, you know, it was it was more adult-friendly, I, I suppose. Mm. Especially as the age of attitude. But, you know, kids there, they could always switch over to WSW, probably, you know, maybe that's what they were doing as well. They could do the edgiest storylines, the 18 to whatever it is, 30 demographic. And sure now gone to that side. I think he's done that on purpose even more. Yeah. Like... He spat one. <laughs> oh, good old Sean Michaels. I'd have captured that and put it in a baggie, took it home with me. And now he's got your hero, Brett Hart, he's saying to the fans. And Brett's in serious trouble. Crashing into the stairs. Oh, what's Michaels going to do? No. He's going to suplex him on the stairs. Oh! oh! Drops him face first over the steel stairs. And then just a careless stomp. And, oh, I knew he was trying to get that. Now he's got the Canadian flag. Snaps, Snaps the stick. And then just jabs Bret Hart with a stick. And now Bret is in serious trouble. He might have broke his larynx there for Shawn Michaels. Now he's taken over this match, hasn't he? He has indeed. He's pulling his face back in front of the fans. They're just punching... Brett in the nose. Michael's just don't give a fuck. He just doesn't care, does he? Throws Brett back in. And Sting's still watching on. He is. Sean off the top there. Is he a WCW scout? <laughs> Didn't have a lot. <laughs> yeah. He can take the mask of his Bischoff. And Michael's now front face lock to Brett. Oh. oh, and then third time of asking, throws Michael's face first into the canvas. And now Brett's got oh. Sean. Working on that leg, trying to set him up for the famed sharpshooter. And Sean knows he's trying to stop it. Just raking the face of Brett. Any means necessary here. WF title on the line. Sean Ives rips Brett. Oh, but Brett responds with a running knee lift. And stomps on the leg of Michaels. But and Michaels pretty much no selling it and just goes back to the face of Brett. Exactly. Again, taking the easy way out. And Brett looks a bit beaten up at the moment, but it has been a war between these two. Sean slams Brett down. Goes up top. wonder what the heartbreak kid's going to do. Oh, no, Brett already getting slowly back to his feet. Oh, but Brett rolls through. Two. Oh, Michael's with the kick out. Oh, Sean with a big crossbody. And now Brett, oh, working on the legs again, backed up in the corner. Sean trying to get to the face, and Brett's like, no, I'm going to kick you before you get there. Brett grabbing Michael's leg. Wrapping it round the ring post. Oh. oh. Just like Owen was doing to Austin earlier. And now one of Brett's favourite moves, favorite moves, the figure four on the ring post. Oh, and that's got to be painful. Oh, Sean's screaming in agony. And he might just break the leg here. Referee Earl Hebner counting. Might be disqualified. And Brett stops it. I think Brett Hart is definitely going to win this match. Well, we've already seen one Canadian losing his hometown to an American hero. An American Texan. Yeah. We can't see another Canadian lose to a Texan. Well, this is what Brett's trying to stop right now. Working on that leg. He leg before he leaves. <laughs> Come down all of his weight. But we did see Team Canada victorious. Only Ooh. thanks to a British. Oh, yeah, a British builder was the MVP in that match, wasn't he? He was, he was fantastic. He got a great cheer. But Brett here showing he's the excellence of execution. Just working on Shawn Michaels' leg. Working towards the sharpshoot, doesn't he doesn't care how long it takes. That's what he's going to ask his man. Oh, is he going for the figure four? Oh, woo! 
He's got it in. Mar- shout out to Brett. Michael's uh, in trouble. Flair. And Michael's in serious trouble. Middle of the ring here. Nowhere to go. He's going to have to tap. I'm sure Michael's showing his toughness. Michael's shouting, screaming. No, no. But Brett's had this in now. For a good couple of minutes, the damage is done. Oh. Something must have been going on in that front row because it looks like paramedics as well. Well, Sean turns, it stops the momentum. Yeah, it's definitely something going on. That guy, that guy with a policeman sitting there now. Well, Sean might have turned it, but the damage, I think, is already done. There's only one thing left for Bret Hart to do now. Hit the sharpshoot and regain his title. Huge right hands by Bret. Irish whip to Michaels. <laughs> well, Michaels with his famed corner bump. Uh, turn inside out. Side Russian leg sweep takes him down. Goes for the cover. One, two... Oh. But Michael's managing to kick out. Oh. oh, working on the midsection. Getting slowly closer and closer to it. Now going rolling over. Can he get it? No, Michael's again. Kicks out at two. Ah, uh, two. Brett, well, we've seen this move earlier. Oh, no. I thought it was the dreaded sidewalk slam. The finisher. <laughs> he would have got the pin then. But yeah, back break and Brett going up. Doesn't usually take a chance. Oh, Michael's pulling Earl Hebner in between him and Brett. So Earl takes most of the brunt of that. So this is when it starts. Earl Hebner gets knocked down. He's meant to be knocked down for for a lot longer. But he should be knocked out, but already he's up to his feet. Michael's now raking the eyes of Brett. And Sean, what's Sean going to go for? Sharpshooter. Fans can't believe he's got it in. Referee's up. Earl Hebner calls for it. Brett is reversing the move at this moment in time. As was planned. Earl Hebner's gone. Vincent Mann now at ringside. Brett knows what happened. Michael's pretending he doesn't know what happened. There you go. Let's just spit. spits in McMahon's face. Spit in the face of Vincent Mann. Michael's pretending he doesn't know. Triple H has come out here. In case Brett kicks off. Michaels gets the title, pretends he's not happy. Pissed off, don't even get his arm raised. And Triple H making sure. Earl Hebner's gone already. Joel Briscoe, look, he's saying to them, get out of here. Go, go, Just get go. out of here. Jay, I don't know. Uh, Jay, I'll say Michaels. <laughs> he has a quick celebrate. Won the match. Triple H tells the fans to suck it as he leaves. And that's it. Right. So let's dissect everything we just saw there. Well, first, before we do that, before we get on to the closing... 10 seconds of what happened there in that match, or 15 seconds. So we talk about um, the, the the look of the show, do you know what I mean? Look at the, the entranceway and stuff like that. Out of five, what would you what would you give it? I'd have to say a two and a half. Yeah, it's very basic, isn't it? Yeah. And, and exactly, I, I think I agree with there, a two and a half, because I, I still don't think, you know, there would be a lot more they could do, especially in such a big arena where we see WF. As we got promos and uh, in between stuff, and you know, I'd have to give that a four. Very good. You know, it's uh, they're certainly. I think they're mainly building up to one big match. I mean, aside from the Austin Owen Hart match, it's kind of all focusing on this match. I know there was quite a good bit with Kane and Mankind as well, with Kane coming back and coming into it, and you know the way they're talking and that. But yeah, you know that they are focusing on the main event what about the uh roster who do you think i, I, I sorry i should say primo i agree with there it, it gives you the story much 
better than it did in WCW. I think they're winning their roster. Who do you think's got the better roster at the moment? Um, well, again, despite having Michael's heart, Austin, The Rock, and a you know, and a Kane, the rest of it is it's just not- no. It's like you know, as I mentioned before, in the first three matches out of twenty-four people, uh, out of twenty people, is it twenty twenty-four? Twenty-four. Out of twenty-four people, there was only one future heavyweight champion. Yeah. And you know that is absolutely terrible. Yeah. No, I agree. I give that three out. Say three out of five as well. Uh, so we got look roster promo. Let's talk about it then. So we got the matches. What do you give the matches out of five, Dan, on this pay per view? Well, the good wins. And the New Age Outlaws, again, Bangers and the New Blackjacks. I'll give that a three out of five. I gave that a two out of five. What's the second match? Uh, a two out of five. That was just terrible with them awful sidewalk slams. It just made the interrogator or Kerrigan look painful. That, that like, was what, yeah. Truth Commission versus... DOA. DOA. Yeah, I gave uh, three out of five for me. For number three... What's Team that, USA against Team Canada, I mean... Team Canada only won, only got their victories through cheats and just awfulness. That's two and a half out of five. Two and a half out of five. What? That's the third match, yeah? Yeah. I gave it three and a half out of five. Oh, that was the best at the moment. Uh, number four was fourth match. Fourth match was Kane versus Mankind. I actually quite enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, I gave that quite a good rate. Uh, four out of five. Yeah, four out of five for me. Uh, number five. Nation against Ahmed Johnson, the Legion of Doom. Oh, and Shamrock there getting the victory. Would you give that? Uh, a three out of five. Yeah, I'll give that three out of five. Austin and Hart. Quite quickly. So it made Austin look brilliant. Uh, I'll give that a three and a half out of five. I'll give that three out of five. And the main event then? Before the end, I thought that was a brilliant match. It was going on to four out of five. You yeah. know, the way it started off before the bell. Again, the referee was really lenient throughout this whole entire pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, four out of five. Uh, and what was the match of the night? What was my high score? Four out of five. Uh, Mankind versus Mankind Kane. Kane. I think that was mine, yeah. Yeah, I'll go Mankind and Kane as well because at least that had a good finish. Uh, so overall matches out of five, would you give it? I'd give it a three and a half out of five. Overall. Yeah, I'll give mine a three out of five of the matches. I don't think they're too great. Uh, and overall rating of ten? Everything into consideration. I'd give it a seven. Yeah, I gave it a seven as well. Any reasons? For what becomes of the wrestlers. You know, you see an early Austin, you see an early Rock, you see, uh, you know, as terrible as he goes on to become JBL. Uh, Kerrigan, I think he looked quite strong. Yeah, you know, and obviously with a bit of nostalgia, you got Brett, Bulldog, Anvil and Owen. So, you know, it is, it is quite a strong, strong like card yeah it wasn't too bad was it in the end I mean some of it lulled in places but they got potential there attitude started so you know we can hope on alright so before we go on and really discuss what happened uh, in the end of the Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels match the Montreal screw job let's have a little look at the history and the rivalry and, and just as it happens the WWE Network has released their, one of their latest collections called Bret versus Shawn the rivalry. So this will be quite easy to talk about. So we'll just run through the programs they've added. So 
off, you know, rocking the foundation. Well, two of the greatest tag team duos collide when the innovative rockers take on the incomparable Heart Foundation. And then we've got, like, chaos breaks out where Bret Hart represents the Heart Foundation against Shawn Michaels and the Rockers in singles action, their first known one-on-one match. And then, stricken from the record, in this rarely seen bout, the Rockers achieve an unrequited dream. They challenge the Hart Foundation for the World Tag Team Titles. And basically what happened in that match, and not many people know, the Rockers won the Tag Team Titles, but because the middle or bottom rope broke during the match, Vincent Mann saw it and said, "It's, it's. I can't, I can't air this, it looks too bad. So the title change never really happened. Forgotten favourite, Shawn Michaels takes to the ring to challenge Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Champ for the Intercontinental Championship in this fan favourite. Rampage in Ottawa in this classic from Ottawa, Bret Hart puts the Intercontinental Championship on the line against Shawn Michaels. Can I just say the thing I like about it and the thing where for me it's like old fashioned. They start off in the tag team, two really great tag teams. Yeah. They've moved on now to the middle of the card, the Intercontinental Championship. And like the ladder of success, the first ladder match to take place in the WWE ring see Shawn Michaels reaching for the coveted Intercontinental Championship. A heated exchange Saturday night's main event, the rivalry between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart intensifies when the HBK has some strong words for the hitman. Well, the thankful champion, 25 years ago now, survives his night night two, and it is in the season of Thanksgiving. Bret Hart shows his gratefulness by defending the WWE Championship against Shawn Michaels. So now, even though they're both young men, point, the WWE title was on the line. Survivor Series 1993. The Hart family battles Shawn Michaels and his knights in a traditional Survivor Series elimination tag team match. Well, the interesting thing about that is that the knights were meant to be Jerry the King Lawler's group, but he uh, was in trouble with the police because it looked like he had done something with a 13-year-old girl who was acquitted with it at the time. But uh, at that point, Shawn Michaels had to step in and caged rivals when the early rivalry between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels proves too big for the ring to hold. They meet each other in a steel cage match. Uh, and mutual respect when Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart meet face-to-face in a show of respect. They receive some unexpected news about WrestleMania. Yeah, basically, like you said, all roads lead to WrestleMania. And uh, WWE cameras follow Shawn Michaels and WWE champion Bret Hart during their training and preparations for WrestleMania 12. Basically, Shawn Michaels in the gym with his uh, trainer, Jose Lafario, And Bret Hart's in the kind of Canadian mountains. Like, you know, like uh, Rocky is in Rocky, Rocky yeah. IV. Yeah. And the boyhood dream comes true at WrestleMania 12. Shawn Michaels looks to make his dreams come true by challenging Bret Hart for the WWE Championship in an Iron Man match. Now, that is over history. People look back and hate it. Dan, what are your thoughts on the Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12? I thought it was a good match. It was quite an intense match between the two, and both men are brilliant athletes, especially for you know that time and age as well. You know, They was way ahead of... Uh, of the rest of their competitors yeah. on the card. Uh, and most definitely, and uh, a couple of things, you know, they've been working together now for eight years on and off tag teams, Intercontinental Titles, now being the two main eventers here at WrestleMania 12. And uh, it shows that Brett thought he was a bigger star than Sean. And as we've seen, Sean eventually catching up with Brett. And also, I think the the match itself could have been improved if there had been a fall. The story behind it is is that it went nil-nil an extra time because neither man could decide which one he'd lose first. And now if you look at what happened at Survivor Series, that's even more interesting. Can you think, 
you know, like a 5-4 match or something like that, I thought would have been a little bit better. Yeah, and then after his bit of reflections and following his loss to Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, Bret Hart reflects on his true feelings during his hiatus from the WWE. So after WrestleMania, he took a break and it looked like he maybe was going to join WCW. Uh, after months of speculation about his future, Bret Hart returns to WWE to show everyone where his loyalties are. And at that point, he signed a multi-year deal to be in the WWE. But uh, in your house, it's time! <laughs> December 15th, Shawn Michaels inadvertently causes controversy when Bret Hart challenges Psycho Sid for the WWE Championship. And now we can see where this is going. Um, yes, uh, a change of heart, frustrations with recent events in WWE caused Bret Hart to abandon by adopting a change in his attitude. So this is a turning point for Bret, so to speak. Exactly, and martyrs and fallen heroes. I mean, Bret Hart lets Shawn Michaels know exactly what he thinks of him when the hitman meets the heartbreak kid face to face. Uh, tensions explode. When words go too far, violence erupts during a heated confrontation between Shawn Michaels and his long-time rivalry with Bret Hart. And we're into 1997, and what's really interesting is the happened at WrestleMania 13 between Bret and Shawn. It obviously didn't because Shawn, as we've seen, lost his smile. So you can see Bret actually getting more and more frustrated. And talk about devious intentions. Bret Hart and his Hart Foundation seize an opportunity to ambush their natural enemy, and like I said, Shawn Michaels. To May 19th, 1997, where during an episode of WWE Raw, Michaels dropped the infamous Sunny Days comment in reference to Hart's alleged affair with WWE diva Tammy Sitch. While the dislike had existed prior to the Sunny Days comment, it was that remark that took their beef to the next level. Well, after weeks of Hart snubbing Michaels backstage at events, refusing to speak off-camera to his on-camera rival, he finally approached HBK in Hartford. Hart reportedly went up to Michaels to talk to him, and Michaels, annoyed by weeks of being snubbed by Brett, said something to the effect of, you haven't spoke to me in weeks, and now you decide it's time for us to talk, along with a colourful insult that I won't bother repeating. Well, at this point, as the story goes, the two clumped onto one another, with Hart grabbing a hold of a large chunk of HBK's hair. As a result, said large chunk of Michael's hair was ripped clean out of his scalp. The two apparently went through one of the wall-like backdrops used for backstage interviews on television at the time. And Joe the King Lawyer, who was apparently in the middle of dropping a juice in the bathroom, quickly ran to the scene to help break things up. I believe Pat Patterson was in the middle of things, also attempting to separate the two. One way or another, Hart and Michaels were finally pulled apart. I bet Pat Patterson enjoyed being in a Brett Michaels sandwich. Uh, an enraged Michael stormed into Vince McMahon's office with a handful of his own hair, slammed it on McMahon's desk and exclaimed, I'm out of here. This is not a safe working environment. Anyway, the unsafe working environment line would end up being a phrase used often by wrestlers working in the WWE at the time as a rib to Michael's. Mostly behind his back in random situations. If you believe the legendary Jim Cornette, the large chunk of HBK's hair was actually collected by Cornette and to this day remains in Cornette's home. That would be brilliant <laughs> if you still got that. Pressing the issue, despite being remanded to a wheelchair, Bret Hart calls out Shawn Michaels to make some insulting accusations at the Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, and the Heartbreak Kid super kicks Bret while in the wheelchair. <laughs> it's good. But then, a grave mistake at... SummerSlam 1997 because Shawn Michaels 
makes a devastating miscalculation when officiating the Untaker's WWE title defence against Bret Hart. Or, in normal terms, he goes to swing at a chair at Bret, Bret dodges, he hits Taker, and he still has to make the count. Grand Slam champion, one night only. Shawn Michaels looks to accomplish another incredible feat by challenging Davy Boy Smith for the European Championship. Yeah, Shawn would beat uh, Sean would beat Bulldog in his hometown just a couple of months before facing Brett. <laughs> you know, questions are asked. The Hart Foundation strike back, though, because after Shawn Michaels captured the European title and one night only, the Hart Foundation vowed revenge on HBK and his cronies. And the challenge for the blue blood. Bret Hart looks to teach Shawn Michaels and his clique a lesson by challenging Hunter Hurt to a match. Uh-oh, Canada. <laughs> While Hunter Hurst Helmsley battles Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels pays special tribute to the hitman's home country. I mean, he uses the flags in, in different ways, shall we say. Yes, well... As we were saying before, Shawn Michaels was part of the Rockers when he was going against Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation. But now DX is born and Michaels interrupts an interview with Bret Hart to give his band of outlaws a new... As you speak about that, Dan, and it's an important moment in the timeline of wrestling history. Let's have a look at that now. I tell you what, why don't you two degenerates come down here right now and step in the ring with me right now. Either one of you, I don't care. Either one of you right here, right now. What? Is he challenging me? He's challenging us. Is he challenging, he challenging us? us? That's it, that's it. No, right now, regularly, regularly, I would take him up on this challenge. And But you know what I'm not gonna? No, I'm not gonna. I'll tell you why. Because the last time I took him up on the challenge was WrestleMania, and I beat his ass for that stupid piece of tin he's got on his shoulder. <laughs> And Survivor Series, I'm going to take that stupid piece of tin you got on your shoulders once again. I've beaten you, I've beaten your brother, I've beaten both your brother-in-laws, and I'll beat up your whole family if you get in my face one more time. And as far as I'm concerned, Bret Hart, you want a piece of me, huh? You want a piece of me? Come on! I'll take you on, Hitman! I'll give you the worst beating of your life! Hey, wait a second. I did that last week. Oh. I did that last week, Hitman. So never mind. I don't need to do it twice. I already did it. <laughs> I tell you what, I've had so many shots to my head, I almost forgot how bad we beat him up last week. <laughs> oh, Hitman, I got news for you. Sometime during this show, we are going to cross paths. And you talk about us being degenerates. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of Generation X getting what? a bad rap. You Everybody, think you're a degenerate? What? You think you're a degenerate? Well... I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm positive I'm one. I guess I'd have to be one. Well, you know, Generation X always gets a bad rap. Everybody calls them degenerates. Degeneration X, is that us? Degeneration X, Triple H, HBK, China, Ravishing Rick. We are Degeneration X. Me. You make the rules and we will break them. Yeah. You guys aren't going to make it to the Survivor Series. You won't make it that far. So Sean and uh, Triple H have interrupted Bret Hart, who's just come out here showing what happened last week. So Sean's disrespecting the WWE title there as well, isn't he, by saying it's just a piece of tin. Stupid piece of yeah. tin, yeah. Bret did say you're a couple of degenerates, and, and Sean basically turned that around, didn't he? Yes, and he, he said, we're Degeneration X, you make the rules and we'll break them. Yeah, I mean, uh, so a little bit of history. DX is born October 13th for 229. Anybody... Let's go on the network and check check it out. But that's not all because we're building towards, like, say, Survivor Series 97. Yeah. And it's a volatile situation. 
Raw 230, when Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart meet in singles action, Bret Hart sees an opportunity to strike at the Heartbreak Kid. And a week later, Vengeance is sweet, chin music. Shawn Michaels looks to get a measure of retribution when Bret, uh, against Bret Hart when the hitman defends the WWE title against Ken Shamrock. Action speak louder than words. October 27th, as the Survivor Series approaches, Rolf 231, Shawn Michaels, Bret, tell each other how they really feel. It is the big one. It is Survivor Series 1997. Controversy reigns supreme when Bret Hart defends the WWE Championship against Shawn Michaels in this historic match. Alright, so Montreal Screwjob. Like I say, Bret Hart won the WWF World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam in August 1997. A week prior to Survivor Series, Hart, who had performed for the WWF since 1984, signed a contract to perform with WCW beginning December 1997. But man sought to prevent Hart from leaving the company as he was unwilling to lose the title to Michaels, with whom he had a long feud both on screen and off at Survivor Series in his home country. Hart, Michaels and McMahon came to an agreement where the, where the Survivor Series match would end with a disqualification, which under normal rules would result in Hart retaining the title. Hart would then lose or forfeit the title at a later date. However... McMahon decided, without Hart's knowledge, that Michael title at Survivor Series. Okay, so we're really going to get into it, and what we want to do, we're going to pick sides. I mean, you're saying to me, <laughs> as we've got a confidential at the moment with Mean Gene Oakland, but as we've said, we're going to pick sides. So, Dan, whose side are you on at, the mo- at this time? I am on Brett's, Brett's side, you know, because according to, well, you know, according to what we've read so far, Brett would lose the title... After it would go vacation, and then Brett would lose it after you know a later date. Yeah, lose or forfeit the title. What about if he didn't? What about if Brett went with a WF title? I mean, we've seen instances of of wrestlers doing that, going with other companies with the title belts. What's stopping Brett from showing up on Nitro a week later with the WF title thrown out in the rubbish or disrespecting it? And you know that's the number one well, title would, in the world. What would stop the WWE just I don't know printing a new title? changing it slightly and saying, well, since the other title was irrelevant now, it's gone, we're going to start off with a new title. Because the, the champion wouldn't have been beaten and everybody who watching wrestling, everybody who watched, you know, Raw and Survivor would be like, well, no, Brett's the champion, Brett's going over WCW now. It's like the time, in a weird way, you know, when CM Punk walked away from the company as WWE champion, yeah. then they tried to crown a new champion, it didn't matter because then Punk came back. It would be that kind of situation because, situation, situation because Brett, you know, champion, and, and he's, he's got work for he tells him, you know, he's under contract with them. He's got, a, if he wants to lose a title, no matter who it's to, he's surely got to drop the title. Well, don't call me Shirley, but again, you know, he should <laughs> lose a title, but again, he could lose or forfeit the title uh, later that. I know you said he, he couldn't, but... but what, would you really want someone to forfeit a championship? Yeah, but would you on? like me to... What would your reactions to me if I joined a different podcast and I was wearing a WNR t-shirt and I was still going under the Vince McDan logo and, you know, I was referring to WNR? Wouldn't you like, oh, yeah, you know, he's on a different podcast, but he's still talking about my podcast anyway. You know, he's on a different show, but they're still talking about my title. No, I'd, I'd bet if you were leaving the podcast to go somewhere else, I would make you see out your dates and do what I wanted you to So in the end, your last conversation would be like, James is the greatest in the world, WR Podcast is number one, I'm nothing without him, or whatever it is. And then you'd leave. You wouldn't be going at the end and be like, fuck you, James, and then you'd walk out. 
Do you know what I mean? Then, it, then my podcast would have to be like, what do I do then? I've just lost my champion. He's gone to another rival organisation. I've got, I got, what have I got now? Yeah, I could bring a couple of people into it, but at, at the end of the day, that's what I'm saying, if you're working towards, this is the argument. Anyway, so let's get into it and let's see if anything happens because accounts differ as to who exactly was involved in the plan and the extent of their involvement. So we're going to try and find out who to blame as well. The plan was executed when match referee Earl Hebner, on direct order from McMahon, ended the match as Michaels held Hart in a sharpshooter. There we go, we can see it right now, it's on screen as we speak. <laughs> you can see the shock in Bret's heart, Bret Hart's face. Yes, it's understandable, but is it for business? Anyway, Dan, go on. Montreal Screwjob has garnered notorious legacy both on screen and off, and was partly chronicled in the documentary film Hitman Heart Wrestling with Shadows. So, let's get right into it. So, we have, we have gone back 20 years, we've just seen it, so at the time of the Screwjob. At the time of the Screwjob, Bret Hart was a 14-year veteran of the WWF, having started his career in the 1980s as one half of the Pop Hart Foundation tag team with his brother-in-law, Jim Neidhart. After the team had two reigns as the WWF tag team champions, Hart then achieved tremendous success as a singles performer in the 1990s, twice taking the Intercontinental Heavyweight title and then winning the WWF World Heavyweight Championship five times. Hart took a seven-month leave of absence from the company after WrestleMania 12, during which he negotiated both a new contract with the WWF and an offer from its rival World Championship Wrestling. Well, in October 1996, Hart declined a three-year, 8.4 million offer from WCW. That's right. 20 years ago, <laughs> 8.4 million for three years' work. Uh, he opted to sign an unprecedented 20-year deal that had been offered to him by McMahon, which promised to make him the highest-paid wrestler in the company and secure him a major role, major, major role, with the company management following his retirement. Both Harbour and Ref saw the contract as an expression of mutual loyalty. Well, but by mid-1997, the WWF was facing financial difficulties due to stiff competition from WCW, which had become the largest professional wrestling wrestling promotion in the United States at the same time McMahon was planning to make the WWF a publicly traded company a move which required him to minimise any long commitments and can I just say as well because obviously you know Vince McMahon is, is, is suffering well, WWF suffering really serious financial issues they've had to release a ton of talent you know your Hogan's your Machos your everybody like this to, to make some money and and Bret Hart, I'm not going to say he's selfish, but if he'd have gone to WCW for a couple of years, you know, three years, that would have freed up the WF for, for more money themselves. And, you know, then maybe Bret could have come back. But because he was made to sign his contract, because it was like, we've got to honour it for 20 years now. I mean, it would just come, the contract would end now. Yeah. Not, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, last, last year, last year the contract would have cut, which is incredible when you think about it. But anyway, for several months prior to Survivor Series, Hart and Shawn Michaels had several backstage arguments, including a fight before a house show in Hartford, Connecticut, after Michaels had publicly accused Hart of having an affair with Sonny. After a show in San Jose, California on October the 12th, 1997, Hart claimed he spoke to Michaels about being professional and trusting one another in the ring. Hart allegedly said he would have no problems losing to Michaels if McMahon requested. Hart also claimed that when Michaels replied that he would never lose to Hart, Brett was shocked and became angry. 
Well, this led to Hart's outright refusal to lose the WF Heavyweight Champion at the pay-per-view event in Montreal. Although in Hart's documentary, Hart states to McMahon that he would happily drop the belt, but not in Canada. However, in his autobiography, Michaels refuted Hart's claim, saying he would have cleanly... He would have cleanly lost to Hart had storylines demanding so. However, however, others, including Jim Cornette, in various shoot interviews, have often refuted this, saying that they, they knew firsthand that Michaels had no intention of jobbing to Hart. So, Shawn Michaels is now saying, no, I would have lost to Brett. No, you didn't want to lose to me. That's why I didn't want to drop the title. And people like Jim Cornette are saying that. Do you think Shawn Michaels said to Brett, I'm not going to lose to you? Do you think that actually happened? Judging by what we know of Michaels... <laughs> Around the 2007 time, I think, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, he was part of the clique. And, you know, it's if Michaels didn't want to lose, Michaels probably wouldn't have had to have lost. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you there. I I think we've seen that kind of attitude that he brings. Well, Michaels had also pointed out that he had lost cleanly to Hart several times in the past. Most notably in the WWS first ever ladder match at Wrestling Challenge. Uh, a wrestling challenge taping on July 21st, 1992, which would subsequently be made available on multiple Coliseum and WWEs. And in the main event of Survivor Series 1992, Michaels also lost to Hart in a steel cage match in December 1993. Yeah, all those matches are on this uh, new collection we've got. But that is four or five years before Michaels was a main event star. It's a difference, yeah. isn't it? You know, we're like John Cena losing to like Carlito or someone like that. Five years later, would he be doing exactly the same thing? You know, it's, I'm not saying Carlito's Bret Hart, but you know what I mean, don't you? But man believed he made the right choice in fighting for Hart to return, which kept him from joining rival WCW 1996. However, by late 1997, the WS monetary problems were all at an all-time high. But man began to defer payments to Hart, claiming that the WF was in financial peril. Thing is, as well with what WF did, they completely changed the Bret Hart character as well. You know, he was a hero, wasn't he? And then they kind of changed it. That was one man's way of kind of like, we're going to get everything we can out of Bret. We'll turn him heel that last year so we completely destroy the Hitman character. So then when he goes to WCW, it's like, well, we've done everything with him now. You know, I think it's, think it's that one. I think I'm looking too much into uh, it. You uh, know? Again, you know, it's, uh, it, I think McMahon knew, you know, did he think, right, well, if, because WCW wanted him in 96. And a year later, he says, right, I'm going to sign for WCW. I'm not going to lose the title to Shawn Michaels in my home country. Yeah. I'm going to lose it at a later date. Or, you know, I'll just forfeit it. And then I'll walk away from the company. Job done. We'll see you later. There'd be a bit of better agreement. But what Vince Man did to the Bret Hart character in that year is very interesting to see, isn't it? You know, but... uh Anyway, at this time, McMahon reviewed the WF, saw the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and DX, leading what was to become the Attitude Era. And as we saw, we saw the Attitude Era adverts at Survivor Series. His plans included many stars, but not Hart. As such, McMahon encouraged Hart to reopen negotiations with WCW. While Hart considered an offer from the WCW president, Eric Bischoff, McMahon informed Hart that the WF would honour his contract if he chose to stay. However, when Hart talked to McMahon about future plans and storylines, he was disappointed by McMahon's response and what he considered lacklustre suggestions, as seen in the documentary Hitman Hart Wrestling with Shadows. Would you honestly have seen Brett as part of the ruthless aggression era. Uh, what well, the actual? Sorry, the attitude era. The, uh, sorry, the attitude era. Yeah. 
it is different because yeah, because the the Bret Hart character not cut out for that, was he? And he, he no. wasn't he wasn't comfortable with a few storylines. I think you know it's it's a bit like John Cena's character now being part of it. Yeah, I yeah. think he's too nicey nicey. You know, be able to have done that. I know when he started off, it was kind of towards the tail end of the Attitude Era into the Ruthless Aggression Era, yeah. and he was a rap actor, and, you know, he was thug life and that. But I'll I tell you what I would have liked to see now. I don't think Brett... I tell you again, it's difficult, because maybe Brett would have changed his attitude a little bit and done it, you know, could Brett maybe adapted. But what I would have liked to have seen, and I think maybe a little bit more sense... WrestleMania 14 when Austin beat Michaels for the title, if he was beating Brett for the title, it would have been a year on from their classic WrestleMania 13, and it would be a, a literal passing of the torch as well, you know, with Brett saying, there you go, Austin. And would have Brett gone to the kind of commissioner role when he stayed on screen? It could have been interesting to see. Yeah, Hart acknowledged around this time that his career had been sabotaged by national nationalist changes to his character. Throughout 1997, the hitman regularly criticised America and deemed it inferior to Canada during the era of American audiences and yet winning him respect of the WWF's sizable Canadian fan base. Hart had also been unhappy about McMahon's move towards more controversial subject matter, which the World Wrestling Federation would later call the Attitude Era. Well, convinced that McMahon's future plans did not include him, he signed an agreement with WCW, which had just offered him a large $3 million per annum on November 1st, 1997. My man was worried about the possibility of him entering WCW as the WF World Heavyweight Champion. Hart asked McMahon if he would be mocked after leaving for WCW, as, he, as had occurred with other wrestlers who had transferred to WCW from the WF. For example, in previous year, the WF made fun of Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savin. Randy Savage in vignettes for referring to them as the huckster and the natural man. In addition to having Glenn Jacobs and Rick Bogner portray Diesel and Razor Ramon, characters that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall had made famous before their 1996 departure from the WWF. Well, I tell you, McMahon assured him that nothing of the sort would happen. I don't think anything like that would happen. I mean, if Vince McMahon is a man of his word, what happened next? Despite this, on the Monday Night Raw, on the night after a job on Monday Night Raw, Degeneration X performed a segment mockingly reenacting the match between Michaels and Hart with a midget dressed as Brett. <laughs> well, Hart's imminent move to WCW created a tense situation, situation. situation as he had won the WF World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam 1997 from The Undertaker. Hart's WCW contract was scheduled to begin on December 5th, one month after the WF's annual Survivor Series event, which would be held in Montreal. Shawn Michaels, the leader of the emerging stable DX, had been booked into the main event title match with Hart. McMahon, anxious for Hart to give up the title, sought, Hart, sought Hart's consent to job to Michaels. Hart didn't want to give up the title to a member of the clique, which included Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Triple H and Sean Waltman, apparently standing up for the rest of the locker room. As part of their rivalry storyline, Michaels had reformed acts insulting the Canadian flag and Canadian fans, which had also upset Hart. Wrestling fans also knew of Hart's long-standing personal difficulty with Michaels. Hart had been angered at Michaels' forfeiture of the WWF World Heavyweight Championship in February 1997, which ruined plans for a Hart-Michaels rematch at WrestleMania 13, where Michaels was expected to lose the title to him. 
Well, Hart also believed that Michael Adrian talked about major surgery, major That's surgery, true. just to get out of their planned match. While Michaels denied rumours that he did not want to lose to Hart, and indeed Hart wound up winning the title shortly after Michaels relinquished it, Hart felt certain that Michaels would not have offered a loss in return if he had been staying with the WWF. The two had been involved in a real fight after Michaels implied that Hart was having an affair with Sonny. Who didn't check Sonny? Exactly, who didn't? Yeah, I know, yeah. Well, the recent story had also seen Michaels make insulting remarks about Hart's father, Stu, uh, which left Brett and others in the Hart family upset. McMahon's offering of an estimated $3 million contract to Hart in 1996 had reportedly also upset Michaels. Well, McMahon remain, remained insistent about Hart dropping the title. The WF owner was anxious to move that out of a former employee, Debbie Michelle. Veteran women's wrestler who's competed under the name Medusa for most of her career performed as Alanja Blaze in the WF in 1993 and 1995 and won the women's championship during her stay here. McMahon, however, had neglected to renew her contract when it expired and Michelle signed with WCW where she changed her ring name back to Medusa when she made her first appearance on WCW Monday Nitro. Medusa made fun of her time in the WWF and brought her title bout with her to the program, dumping it into a cr- trash can. My man feared a repeat despite claims from Bischoff, according to Hart's DVD biography, that legal issues between the WWF and WCW would prevent such a thing and that we'd rather have Hart join WCW with a clean slate. Hart continued to refuse to drop the title to Michaels, offering to lose the title anywhere in the United States prior to Survivor Series or Man on the episode of Monday Night Raw the day after Survivor Series in Ottawa. Hart also asked for and obtained McMahon's permission for an opportunity to explain his actions, his heel character, praise McMahon and the WWF, and thus leave on good terms with the company and the fans. Well, at some point in the days leading up to Survivor Series, however, McMahon began to reconsider that decision. Word of Hart's impending departure from the company had leaked to fans in wrestling. McMahon was worried that allowing Hart to remain champion after the match at Survivor Series would cause problems and reckoned that Bischoff was still prone to do anything he could to get under McMahon's skin and McMahon thought he would likely mention the sign of Hart to WCW on Nitro the following night, something Bischoff said would not have happened under normal circumstances. Furthermore, Bischoff would have a good one-hour head start on McMahon due to Nitro going on the air live at 8pm, which would have been more than enough time to announce Hart's WCW arrival. Therefore, McMahon felt he needed to find a way to get the title off Hart. Well, here we go. Set up an execution then. On November 8th, 1997, one day before Survivor Series, McMahon met with Pat Patterson and Michaels in a hotel room in Montreal and they all sucked each other's cocks. No, and planned the screw job. It is unclear how many people knew of the impending screw job, but man close aides Gerald Briscoe, Gerald Briscoe and Sergeant Slaughter had been involved in the planning. Jim Ross had insisted that he did not know the screw job would take place, although many, including various members of the Hart family, thought he was involved. In a radio interview, Ross also confirmed that Jerry Lawler also did not know that the screw job would take place. Hart and Michaels had met with Pat Patterson to discuss the match, uh, to discuss the match setup and plan. During which Hart agreed to allow Michaels sharpshooter hold at a time when the referee would be unconscious, as Patterson suggested. Well, the rest of the match was planned to proceed thus: 
Hart would grab Michael's foot and reverse the hold, putting him in the sharpshooter. Michael's would submit to the hold, but the referee would still be unconscious. Hart would let go of the hold to try and revive the referee, but Michael's would hit Hart with his finisher, the sweet chin music, and make the pin. A second, a second referee would then run to the ring with Owen Hart, Jim Hart and Dave Boy Smith following close behind. The second, the second referee would start the count, but Owen and Dave Boy would break up the pin. The original referee would then recover and start to make the count, but Hart would kick out. Oh. Setting up about five more minutes of brawling that would result in a disqualification. Asked by Hart, Hebner swore by his children that he would never double-cross Hart and that he would rather quit his job than participate in a screw job. However, according to Michael's account of the events in his 2005 autobiography, Heartbreaking tri- Triumph, Michael's himself informed Hebner of the plan only on Sunday evening, just as far as he was about to commence. This contradicted what Hebner said on the 2003 edition of W Confidentiality, claiming that he first knew of McMahon's plans only 10 minutes before the match finished, and out of panic following the bell ringing, he ran out of the ring, through the crowd, and remained in his hotel room for the night, refusing to speak to anyone. Tensions and excitement were high, and officials congregated for Survivor Series. Hart was anxious over the match finish, and had been warned of the prospect of a screw job by his brother-in-law Hart and Hart Foundation member Davy Boy Smith, as well as Vader, who had experienced similar situations while working in Japan. They advised Hart to be alert, not lie on his back for too long, kick out oh. from pinfall counts immediately so as to avoid a fast count, to have to be placed in submission holds. Okay, so at the moment, Hebner got to his feet, he was knocked down, he got to his feet, looked towards timekeeper Mark Yeaton and shouted, Ring the bell! McMahon and elbowed Yeaton hard and yelled, Ring the fucking bell! Yeaton rang the bell just as Hart reached forward and grabs Michael's leg, which broke the hold and caused Michael's theme music then began playing and the ring announcer declared him the winner, new WF Championship. Hebner, Hebner had already exited the ring and was on his way out of the arena. After an initial moment of shock, Hart got to his feet, approached the apron where McMahon was standing and spat directly in his face, while Michaels feigned confusion. Michaels was ordered by McMahon to pick up the damn belt and get the hell out of here. Michaels left the arena with Briscoe and Triple H, and the broadcast signal cut off almost immediately after Michaels exited, with the last shoot being a tight close-up of the Survivor Series logo above the entranceway. Well, McMahon and most other WF officials also quickly made their way backstage as an angry heart smashed cameras, monitors and ringside equipment. Fans in attendance also began to vent their fury on McMahon and the WF officials. A few even heaped garbage on them and some who were close enough pushed Michaels as he hurried back- backstage. Owen Hart, Nide Hart and Davy Boy came out to the ring and had a conversation with Brett calming him down. Hart proceeded to finger trace WCW and I love you to the cheering fans before returning backstage. So reactions to it. While much of the live Montreal audience immediately understood what had happened and responded angrily, television viewers had been left largely confused as Jim Ross promptly wrapped up the event on commentary and Survivor Series went off the air four minutes ahead of scheduled with the parting image of Michael holding the bell, bell aloft as he disappeared backstage. Rumours and expressions of surprise and shock pervaded the internet almost immediately after the match ended. And the internet was a, a slow thing back then. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah. Some observers considered it a creative and all-time great match finish. Observers of professional wrestling speculated whether the entire episode would result in WCW becoming a dominant brand in Canada, where a large majority of fans have remained loyal to WWF. 
especially as a heart found as a heart family was working with the company. Well, as seen on the Hearts documentary, Hart proceeded to the dressing rooms and questioned Michaels, who pleaded that he knew nothing, I know nothing, about uh, what had taken place and was equally outraged. The man locked himself in his office with Pat Patterson and other agents. Mark Calloway, known as Yuntaker, furious with man, banged on the door. The man opened and was told he had to apologise to Hart. As recounted in Michael's autobiography, he was told by McMahon not to say anything about the screw job to anybody because McMahon needed to have everyone think it was only him involved. Michael's offered his assurance that he would not carry the title belt out the next day on Raw and would refuse to say anything derogatory about Hart. Hart proceeded to shower and change after discovering that McMahon, Briscoe and Remus had locked themselves in McMahon's office. When Hart when McMahon went to Hart's dressing room and tried to explain himself, Hart angrily buffed him and warned him to leave immediately or risk being punched. An altercation ensued with Hart giving McMahon a single punch, dropping him to the floor. Although Vince's son, Shane McMahon and Briscoe struggled briefly with Hart and Davy Boy Smith, Hart told them to take McMahon and leave or risk a similar consequence. Imagine Brett just knocking out Shane, Vince, <laughs> Gerald Briscoe. <laughs> <But laughs> Hart angrily asked McMahon if he was going to screw him on the pay he was still owed, to which a groggy McMahon replied in the negative. Well, in the hallway outside the dressing rooms, Hart, then wife Judy, angrily confronted Triple H and others about the finish, but was escorted away by Owen Hart. It's brilliant. On the uh, talk about the Hitman Hart wrestling shallow, so he literally had a camera right there, and you can see the wife asking Triple H, saying, "Did you know? Did you know, Hunter?" And he's saying, "I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything." He fucking lied to her. Anyway, I'm on their side. Anyway, McMahon had a black eye and a sprained ankle. Which, according to Bret Hart, was a result of his punch lifting Vince off the floor and Vince rolling his ankle once he landed. So the punch was so powerful, Dan, it lifted. <laughs> but I don't get how a punch... <laughs> oh, yeah, it wasn't another guy, yeah. Unless he was head down and he punched him up. However, my man and Briscoe since stated on W Confidential that Briscoe accidentally stepped on Vince's foot, which, as he tried to get back to his feet, immediately sprained his ankle and sent him back to the floor, from which he suffered a concussion and referred to Briscoe's action as a comedy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, hilarious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just been knocked out, but <laughs> my ankle hurts. Yeah. Well, Michaels and Triple H were later confronted and assailed by angry fans outside the Molson Centre and in the lobby of their hotel, while Jim Neidhart, Davy Boy Smith, and Owen Hart had flown out of Montreal with Brett. My man faced a major revolt in the W locker room. Most wrestlers were outraged at him and threatened to boycott Raw or leave the company altogether. My man addressed a meeting in an effort to qualify the wrestlers who had been outraged that a WF veteran had been double-coughed by McMahon. Many feared for their own future and were suspicious for McMahon. McMahon sought to explain that Hart had been disregarding the company's interest by refusing to drop the title in Montreal. McMahon claimed Hart was jeopardising the company's future by creating and potentially embarrassing a situation that could affect its fortunes. The potential revolt was also quelled by Hart's to wrestlers who asked him about boycotting Raw or leaving the company altogether. Hart advised them to fulfil their contractual obligations and not risk their own future over the episode. And that lies of Brett, where they're saying, we're going to leave for you, and he's like, well, don't, don't screw yourselves over, you know what I mean? Yeah. Make sure you're all right. Both Sonny and Mick Foley did not attend the next night's Raw show, but returned to work after that due to their contract stipulations. 
Hart later commented in his autobiography that if Foley returned to WCW, he would be committing career suicide. <laughs> Rick Rude, who was working there briefly as a storyline manager for Michaels and was a real-life friend of Hart's, called WCW and informed Eric Bischoff of what had transpired and also returned to WCW two days after the events in Montreal, mostly due to his digest... Dis- <coughs> Mostly due to his disgust over Hart's treatment, Rude appeared on both WWF Raw Is War and WCW Monday Nitro on November the 17th. Uh, Matt appeared on Nitro, which was live, and proceeded to criticise Michaels, DX and the WF calling the company the Titanic, a reference to the Titan Enterprises as WF parent company was then known as the Sinking Ship. And now later on Raw, which had been taped six days earlier, Rude then appeared with full beard he'd been sporting during his return to the WWF. <laughs> of the Hart family, Owen, Owen, only Owen continued to work with the company, being unable to terminate his contract. So he just died instead. He just died instead, yeah. After Raw in Ottawa, Michaels appeared carrying the WWF title belt and performing a segment where he boasted before the audience how he beat Hart with his own trademark move in his own country. So he said to Brett, I will not come out with a title. I will not uh, be, you know, disrespecting you that way. He still did. McMahon gave a televised interview to commentator Jim Ross, explaining his version of events and making the now infamous statement. Some would say, I screwed Bret Hart. Bret Hart would definitely tell you I screwed him. I look at it from a different standpoint. I look at it from the standpoint of the referee did not screw Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels certainly did not screw Bret Hart. Nor did Vince McMahon screw Bret Hart. I truly believe that Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. And he can look in the mirror and know that. As McMahon expected, the WCW did address Hart and the aftermath of the screw job from the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis that same night. Mike Tanay and Tony Schiavone strongly criticised McMahon and Michaels for their actions. The show started with Bischoff making a reference to Hart's impending arrival in WCW and his punching McMahon in the face. He then used his on-air persona as the mouthpiece for the NWO to claim kayfabe that Hart was to join the NWO as soon as he could be signed to WWE. Hollywood Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall and the rest of the NWO members stood with Canadian flags and sang <laughs> the Canadian National Now that Anthem. is cool, that is cool. So, <laughs> so at this moment in time, because we got aftermath of this, of course we know what's happened since then. Can I just say, talk about Montreal, talk about Shawn Michaels. This is as one of my favourite segments. Shawn Michaels has come to Canada to uh, play up the audience a little bit. All of you here in Montreal know that I am all about Miserable defeat. 
get Brett because I screwed Brett. I did it once, and I'd do it again. Say hitman, I screwed you once, and I'll screw you again. Because Brett the Gone crazy. (laughs) 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 But what a moment that was, (laughs) Sean. Completely controlling the crowd there. Indeed, yes. Uh, But you know, again, I think Sean was great at that. Whether he was a heel or a face, he'd come off brilliantly. That's the one thing about Sean Michaels. You can argue if he did the right thing or the wrong thing. If he was ass, if he was an arsehole or not, you can't deny it. he was a fantastic uh, wrestler and just everything about him. Do you know what I mean? It, it was great. But this is January fourth, twenty ten. Bret Hart comes back because Impact had a live impact at that time. I thought they were going to compete. <laughs> Bless him. I see Bret and Michael side by side in a game of who's aged better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
tonight and why now but you know I've had a long time to think about things it's been 12 years since I've been back in the WWE and it's uh, it's an amazing feeling you know for the last few years I tried so many times to find a way to come back but every time I tried to come back Vince McMahon would would always decline and tell me not that it wasn't possible and the very first thing I want to do is I want to call back there and ask Shawn Michaels to come out here and see me face to face. Whoa. Sean, I think I'd like to take this opportunity right now to bury the hatchet with you and call for a truce. Before you come out here and get your closure, there's something I've been waiting 12 years to say to you. The fact is, you deserved 
What happened 12 years ago in Montreal? You disrespected me, and you disrespected this business, and yes, I did have a hand in what Vince McMahon did that night. There's another part of me that knows that in the last 12 years, a lot of things have changed. You know, Brett, I always respected you. I just never felt you respected me. And there were times I couldn't stand the sight of you. But you know something? When I think of Bret Hart, I don't think of Montreal. I think of Anaheim, California. I think of a 60-minute iron match. A 60-minute iron match that everybody said nobody would want to see. And they certainly wouldn't want to see it on pay-per-view. They said nobody could do it. Yeah, Brett the Hitman Hart. And Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels went out there, and they did do it. And they redefined everything that this industry ever stood for. When I think of Bret Hart, I think of the excellence of execution. You're not the only one, Bret, that's been carrying this around for 12 years. You're not the only one that's ready to move on. You're not the only one that wants to bury the hatchet. I guess all I have to say is, are you sure? And are you ready? Let's be real honest, you weren't the easiest guy in the world to love either back then. And you're a guy that certainly had his issues. But you're right, my career and your career shouldn't always be tagged by what happened at Survivor Series. I had a great career, you've had a great career, we've both accomplished so many things. I think it's a good, as good a time as any right here and now for you and me to take this opportunity in front of all these fans right here in Dayton and all around the world. each other in the eye and take this moment and say that we could be friends. So I offer my hand to you in friendship. Right here in front of everybody, right from the heart, right from the bottom of my heart, I call for a truce and I call for you to shake my hand and if you want to bury the hatchet, let's bury it right now. I think Shawn Michaels has aged better. <laughs> I'm going to give him that award. Bray wants to bury the hatchet. Was this 2010? Yeah. So Michaels would go on to have a couple more good matches and Bret Hart. That's incredible. Bret has come back and Sean's actually saying, no, you deserved it. 
This is awful, isn't it? After 12 years, they give us this segment to fucking do it on. We've seen all this stuff with uh, Bret Hart and Sean finally getting together in 2010. But because we're still in the attitude era, we're still going to focus on basically uh, being at this moment in time. Bret Hart is the hottest free agent in wrestling. And uh, we're going to find out what WCW actually do with Bret Hart when he does eventually sign there. We'll see what happens with him there. We'll see if the WWF can survive this kind of financial peril they're in and maybe turn the ship. Will the Attitude Era be successful, Dan? This is the questions we're going to ask over the next year, the next few couple of years as well, with the Attitude Era. But that I think that's enough about the Montreal Screwjob. Has that changed your opinion at all about anything, Dan? That happened between Brett and Sean. Not really. No, I mean, it's still there, isn't it? You could argue the case for either one. Yeah. You know? Well, at the end of the day, and, you know, a lot of people do say this, that wrestling is scripted. Yes. And, again, you know, it's no disrespect. I don't want to take anything away from wrestling because, as you know, I'm a big fan of wrestling. But what does having a title mean? I mean, you know, with some people, when they win it for the first time, they get really emotional. Yeah. But a wrestler like Brett, I don't know, what what would it not mean him dropping the title a, either A, in Canada? Because, you know, we've seen Edge lose the title to John Cena in Canada. We've, you know, we've seen everything happen. So why would he not lose it? He was getting paid money to, so to speak. So why would he not want to lose it? And again, why would... Brett not want to lose it after if, you know, he was unhappy about the heat. Yeah, I mean, but the the thing is that Brett took his character seriously, you know. He took the Hitman heart, he took being the champion, he took being loyal to WF too seriously. And this is what Michael's always played him on. You know, you act like the hero on TV and yet backstage you're doing things with Sonny and other people like this. You ain't the Canadian hero, son. Brett looked at Sean as like this young guy who was always going to be in his shadow. And then Sean tried to, you know, you could argue who's a better in-ring performer uh, at this moment in time. But there's no doubt in really Sean kind of eclipsed Brett towards the end of, you know, especially the second half of his career. Uh, and, and I think that annoyed Brett at this point in time. A guy with so much attitude who would go around disrespecting all these kind of old rules of wrestling, this kind of attitude... And Brett's got to kind of drop his title and, you know, be like, yeah, okay, that's it. But like we say, you could argue for and against. It's a shame what happened here with Brett. But the thing is, will WSW, like we say, um, take advantage of it? What we should say is that the there is doubts over the screw jobs legit. Many wrestling fans and several within the business believe the Montreal screw job was a work and that Hart was acting in collaboration with McMahon. So maybe we're wrong. Maybe this was the script, you know? Well, wrestling journalist Bill Apter, along with industry veterans Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Bam Bam Bigelow, Road Dog, George Steele, Steve Carino, Tony Marmaluke, just incredible, Paul Bearer and Sonny have all gone on record saying that they believe this to have been the case. Sonny reported that her former boyfriend, Kiss Ca- Chris Candido, also subscribed to this notion. Well, Shawn Michaels recalled people saying that the screw job had to be at work and claimed that man took a dive and sold like he sells on TV when struck by Hart backstage following the incident. Jerry Lawyer, who served as ringside contact for the match, found it plausible that Hart was working with McMahon. As did Hart's former colleagues, Demolition, Axe and Smash, Road Warrior, Animal, Steve Blackman and Sean Waltman. 
Walkman felt there was a high possibility of the screw job being at work and believe Hart would not have told anyone, including his wife, about his involvement. Now, we spoke about this off air. I mean, if you were doing, if you were that, would you tell your family? Would you tell people that you knew about it? How close would you keep a secret? Would you keep it all to yourself? Again, you know, I think that it depends on how secret it was supposed to be. But then, surely... Don't call me Shirley. After, uh, you know, I'd say about 2001-ish, when WCW... Yeah then, you know, again, it probably would have been okay to out the story and, you know. Yeah. And then not 2006, when Bret Hart finally returns and makes his way to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, because yeah, WrestleMania was at WrestleMania, what, 18 was in Canada? It a perfect way to introduce Bret back if it was storyline. He only signed a three-year contract. I know stuff happened in WWE when he got there, but like you said, then the story would have happened. It, it went on for too long that uh, it was the storyline. There is rumours maybe due to what happened with Owen Hart, due to what happened to other things as it fell out. But if they you know, they were together on this and, you know, they've kept the secret well. So that is it. I think that's everything about Survivor Series 97 and Montreal Screwjob. I mean, we might revisit in 10 years' time, but 20 years on, I think we've covered everything, Dan, haven't we, you know? Yeah, you know, again, it's... I think you should let us know your thoughts on it. Was Brett in on it? Was it all a work? Was, you know, Michael's in the know. It's, well, you know, again, was it all down to Vince McMahon and his evil genius brain? What do you think would have happened? Yeah. Uh, so that is it for today's show. But next weekend, we have a huge weekend because it is the start of the live shows. But first on Friday is the WNR 131, the W Network Reviews, November. We're going to have 205 Live, NXT Update, and of course the latest news and stories there. Second on Saturday, the WNR 132 NXT TakeOver. War Games kick off at 11pm, featuring NXT, the latest episode of NXT, a rundown of the card, some games, some shout-outs, and a lot more going on. Yeah, don't forget our main event is Sunday. It's at 10pm. It's Survivor Series Kickoff Live. And the Raw and Smackdown reviews for the past two weeks, where we include European Tour, bit of news, the games, the shout-outs, the rundown on the card, and everything else that we have there. So we can't wait for you to join us. We'll be live on Spreaker Radio. But follow all the links and everything we uh, put out there on the social media, like on Twitter, at WWE Network Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. we also got a friend on Twitter. We have indeed, yes. He's Mini Chris Benoit. And he's just trying to make the world a better place, and you can follow him at Mini Chris Benoit. Yeah, don't forget, I'm at J underscore Rollins, if you want to follow me. We're also across all the Google platforms... The WWE Network Review on Google Plus. Send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com. We're across Facebook. Facebook, yeah. You can come and find our page and give us a like with the WWE Network Review Podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDowell. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the WWE Network Review Podcast. There, We've got all the latest clips. The episodes go up at the same time they do there's other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Also on Spreaker Radio. We've got the live shows. Don't forget to click the links on the pinned tweets or whatever it is on Facebook that we've got there. Stitcher Radio and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review. But that is it. We start a huge weekend Friday. We hope you can all join us. I have been James Rowlands and as always I was with... Dan White. Thanks for listening everybody and bye. Bye.